3: But your eyes tell you it's true I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck.
4: And welcome to episode 167 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle and this is the third episode of February 2016 and our Kaiju discussion for Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. Joining me here in the studio for this discussion, we have Brian. Hey, what's up? And Rachel Cook. Hey there. Martin Vavra is here. Hey, folks. Sane Donahue. Boy. And Charles Babbage is here, too. Hello. All right, so this is our crew for the evening. We are going to embark on a mid-1990s Heisei-era kaiju romp.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: Uh, so, we are going to get into the discussion very soon. We also have some news and pickled ginger.
5: Woohoo! <laughs> I'm, <gonna win. laughs> I'm so glad that Rachel is excited about
4: that. Uh, we also have some housekeeping announcements. I'm actually kind of excited about that. Now, we did get quite a bit of homework in, so we're going to go ahead and kick things off with our music requests. So, we're going to start things off with Under the Sea by Akira Ifukube from the original
3: Gojira for Will.
4: Right, and we started things off with Under the Sea by Akira Ifukube from Godzilla, the original Godzilla, and that was for a will. And then Steven requested the main theme from War of the Gargantuas, also by Akira Ifukube. Fantastic movie, I just watched it again last night. And then the last song I played were the main titles to Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla by Takeyuki Hatori. but actually this was from a CD called Monster Mania, music from classic Godzilla films, and once again, class, it is time for our Dai kaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast showcases one film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one film to each month, ensuring that this podcast will keep going for a long, long time. Released in 1994... Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla is the sixth film in the Heisei era and the next to last in this series. At this point, Toho was definitely cranking out one Godzilla movie every year. And the director they chose for this particular film is Kensho Yamashita. Even though he worked in the Showa era as an assistant director, this was his first directorial debut for The King of the Monsters. The movie was co-written by Kanji Kashiwa and Hiroshi Kashiwabara. And because it's a Heisei movie, it stars some of the same familiar actors and actresses that we've seen in the series so far. Specifically, Megumi Odaka as Miki Segusa. Akira Nakao reprises his role as uh, Commander Aso. And of course, the guy who's in like every Godzilla movie since the Heisei era, Koichi Ueda, plays Deputy Commander Hyodo. But we've also got another familiar face from the Showa era. Kenji Sahara is playing Minister Takayuki Segawa. Now we are going to go watch the movie, and we'll be right back to discuss it after this.
5: で
3: オジラ。
4: and these fine folks were just subjected to uh, over an hour and a half worth of Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. And we're going to talk a little bit about their thoughts on it. First and foremost, who was watching this for the very first time? I'm looking at Rachel. It was, yes, I saw it
6: for the very first time. Okay, so
4: you were the only one to, this was your... your, uh, your space
7: gun's on Pocket. <laughs> it's the main Voyager. Right
4: yes. All right. So
8: well, it felt like my first time. I mean, it yeah. been a long time so since I've seen it. So, Charles, when
4: was the last time you think you saw the movie?
8: Oh, my God. 15 years ago. Okay. All right. Uh, bootleg of some kind. It <laughs> right. would have had to have been probably, yeah.
4: right? Uh, what about Usain? Uh, you you'd seen this before, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Many, 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 many times.
1: Yeah. When I started college in 93, I remember getting like a photocopied uh, like Godzilla Fantasine that had all the bootlegs in the back from a place in Texas and I bought like the four that were available at the time and I remember just just watching them all in one sitting and like watching how they progressively got worse
5: (laughs) Um,
4: did you at least know the the release order,
1: yeah, I knew yeah. I knew everything about them. I just hadn't seen them. It was, again, the days before the internet, yeah. So you had this to was look, like look in magazines, <laughs> right on the cusp
4: <laughs> of the internet being yeah. a thing that people really accessed. I mean, clearly for the uh, uber nerds who are listeners out there i know that the internet predated you know <laughs> the Heisei era but technically speaking as a, as as least you, as far as i'm concerned i never never saw you that can stuff qualify until I was as able to find
8: it on the internet the web exists sure yeah the there, world yeah, that,
4: the mm. world wide web of information That's the nice. net uh, now we know Martin had seen this before because yeah. Martin and Jeff and I watched this before the Kaiju Cast even started. Was it's, that
0: six or? That was like six or seven years ago. Oh, uh, it
4: would have been over seven years ago. Yeah, the so I... is seven years. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the 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 gist of the story is that when I saw the Space Godzilla poster. And I did the same thing Martin did. I was like, I've got to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've owned the Space Godzilla poster for a long time, but it was hanging up at my house. And Martin was like, that one. I want to watch that one. And so Jeff and I were like, all right, dude.
5: <laughs> How can you not I, watch your funeral poster sitting there? I don't
4: know. I mean, I've got some really fond memories of the film. I'm actually gonna. Go really easy on it tonight, I think, because uh, even though it's filled filled with flaws, uh, it's a little bit nostalgic for me. So first time for Rachel, and then I'm assuming before we move on, Martin, I'm assuming this was only your second time watching it. You haven't sought this movie out (laughs) afterwards. No,
0: I didn't go and get it after our first. (laughs) Okay, just making Uh, sure. I (laughs) didn't get whatever special Criterion collection. Oh, for this. oh the the <laughs>
4: imaginary criterion version of Godzilla sure, vs. Yeah. Space Godzilla. All those special features that no one yes. ever wanted to see. Special
0: narration with Jonathan Price at the beginning and
4: <laughs> So uh Brian, how about you? How many times do you think you've seen Space Godzilla?
7: I've probably seen it about four or five times. Okay, so. right on.
4: Yeah. Um Space Godzilla for me was one of those movies where I uh, like I said, I sought it out because the f- the poster, and it was because I was just getting onto the internet. It totally was a bootleg, obviously, because it like, 1994 or 95 or 96, when I got online, it would have had to have been bootleg. And I have to say, I actually, when I first watched it back in the 90s, I was kind of blown away by it. I thought it was awesome, and I loved it, and it took a very long time for me to even... Really admit that there were flaws in the film. I mean, it's not like if anybody confronted me, I would have to deny it. But like, I didn't have, at that time, I didn't have anybody to talk about this stuff to. So like, (laughs) every single movie was like, oh my God, it's so awesome. Uh, And uh, so when I watch this movie, it's very much like when I watch Godzilla 1985. I know the movie's not the best, but man, I just, there are things I dig about it. Uh, well, let's get started. So, uh, Brian, initial thoughts after your maybe potentially fifth viewing.
7: Yeah. Well, it is definitely the weakest of the Heisei movies, in my opinion. Uh, but like you, I had a lot of hype back in the, uh, the nineties and I, I was able to enjoy it on a certain level and I still kind of enjoy it on a certain level, but it's, I would put it on the lower end of my Godzilla scale. Sidebar
4: question. When did you start reading G Fan? was it ooh right around this time yeah. so were you actually getting cuz i didn't even catch up with gfan until 96 Mm-hmm. So I would not have seen any hype for this film. Were you like actively interested in its release?
7: Most definitely. Uh, my brother and I discovered G-Fan right around this time period and saw pictures of Space Godzilla. And we were really, really, really excited about it <clears throat> to the pa- to the point where when we saw, we, we saw Gamera in a theater, the Gamera Guardian of the Universe. And a part of us was a little disappointed that we weren't seeing Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. But in <laughs> retrospect now, I'm <laughs> very much glad that I saw Gamera instead of Space Godzilla. But yeah, I was definitely locked in on the hype for this because I was reading GFAN. So. Cool.
4: All right. So uh, initial thoughts uh, were that overall, you've got some nostalgia for it. But, There's some nostalgia. Yeah. E-
7: even then, I was like, it, it's a definitely a miss compared to – because I had seen – uh, uh the other Heisei movies and I you know, I really enjoy King Ghidra. i I really like uh, Mechagodzilla and this felt to me kind of a, a misfire.
4: Interesting. So e- how long even back then. how long after you after it came out, did you see it, do you think? Do you think you saw it, like, oh, the next summer?
7: Uh, almost immediately. As soon as it was on video, I saw a bootleg tape that had no English subtitles. Right. I watched it in straight Japanese for the first time, and uh, it took a while to get the bootleg with uh, subtitles. So yeah. I saw it pretty pretty soon after its release. So.
4: Yeah, this is an interesting time period for Godzilla movies uh, and the fans, I think, because um, with, what, with the internet and all, but uh, the... The way you could find out information about these movies beforehand, pre-internet or post-internet, right, or web, whatever you want to say <laughs> that. uh, you had this time period where it was like the movie came out and then you just have to sit there and wait for yeah. something to get released. And then uh, Sir Sane knows this and several others in the room. First thing you get if you're a ravenous fan is the theater copy with, yep. the, with the movie <laughs> <Yeah>. being recorded <laughs> by a freaking camcorder in the theater. <laughs> yep. uh, and then the next thing to see is like someone – the DHS tape comes out at the time in Japan and then somebody copies it and sells it. And then the – then the subbers eventually began their work and then the the bootleg with the fan subs would come out and then uh, and all of this is happening on VHS tape <laughs> and, and like, it's so slow like today
7: yeah. today we get movies almost immediately even subtitled yeah and i was
4: going to that was the next thing i was going to kind of yeah. say is like f- so if you think about it, like if this movie came out at the end or mid December of 2 or sorry not 2000 anything <laughs> came out in mid December of 1994 then you wouldn't see even your bootleg video copy until probably a couple months into the release usually. Right.
1: If not longer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
4: then, and then good luck on the subtitled version. I mean, I remember getting a number of those tapes that didn't have subtitles on them just because that was all there was. And now my God, that's like, we've got a movie coming out. And then like three months later it's on DVD and it's just crazy how fast this stuff is released these days but I don't want to, you know, turn this into a whole like, uh, listen to me, I'm an old man.
5: And, and,
4: and when I used to watch movies, I used to have to go uphill the snow both ways. Uh, but, uh, it, just for me, I, I have a lot of love for this movie. And even though I know it's not, not the best. Um, Rachel, first time you've seen the movie, yep. what are your initial thoughts?
6: I think there's, it's definitely a mixed bag. There's parts of it that I really enjoyed. Okay. And then there's parts of it. I just, I was really confused, um, about the whole plot. So I I think that it was really (laughs) convoluted. And so, um, so I think that has a lot to, yeah, that, um, I had fun with and I liked the movie, but overall a little bit too complicated.
4: You think that the, what was the complicated part of the was it I, just like the general that, they're, they're throwing too much stuff in?
6: Yes. Yeah. Is this I the think,
4: version of is this like the Heisei era version of Godzilla Final Wars where they just throw Yeah, the stuff? totally.
6: Yeah. Where it's there's, like, okay, there's like different all these different teams and there's like Project T and Project M and there's um, like the Mickey storyline of her with, and yep. they bring in Mothra and the twins, like, and she can, you know, have the te- tele- telepathy and can see Godzilla coming and whatnot. And then, but then there's also, like, the guys, like, I guess it's the G-Force team, is it? That's landing on the island and, um, but then there's the Mogra team as well, and, they have and then they seem to cross over, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, just, yeah. I don't know, there's just a lot going on, yeah. and it was a little bit challenging to keep up with, I felt like. <laughs> so.
5: yeah, I, I,
4: think, I think when I was younger, I just let that stuff wash over me, I did <laughs> right, like, to it.
6: Yeah, it is that kind of thing, you can just kind of like, just roll with it, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you don't really yeah. need to know what's happening. But. So
4: overall, a little too convoluted, a little yeah. too much going on. Maybe streamline mm-hmm. it down. Right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Mr. Vavra, initial thoughts on your second S- viewing. My second Guns viewing,
0: Alert? which is a rarity for me. And uh, even though it's it's been a little over seven years, I have to tell you, there was some nostalgia. For this with me, because I remember that time when I'm like, I want to see that film. And then I watched it and I was like, what did I just see? Because I didn't understand it because I had like, what, you know, two or three Godzilla films under my belt throughout my whole entire life at that point in time. Yeah. Throw in a couple of MST3K versions. So, (laughs) like, I'm I was not prepared for what I saw. And this time to go back, I'm thinking, this I had just moved to Portland. I hadn't been here that long. Jeff's like a new buddy. I just met him. <laughs> like I'm being introduced to all these new things that are all these great parts of my life now. So I was thinking about that while I was watching this film. And all that I've been through with the grand experiment. And so, you know, I already, it was kind of like I remember how I reacted to it. And then watching it through this time, it's like, oh. No, that wasn't so
5: bad. Yeah, mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) this was okay. And and look at what it spawned for me.
4: (laughs) All right, Sane. What about you, man?
5: Oh, (laughs) where
4: to start? Right. Um, It's always the hardest question. Yeah. For
1: for all of its story deficiencies, I always felt like what a what an absolute shame they wasted such a great Mosner costume on such a weak movie Mm. because. He's fantastic. He's a great looking monster. Even though and I find this with Destroyer too, uh it is vexing to me to watch these incredible costumes that literally don't move. They stand stationary, rooted to the ground. They make beautiful you, sculptures. You, yeah, they never <laughs> I don't think you ever see Space Godzilla walk. Not once. And I wanna say you barely see Destroyer walk.
4: And it's more the, like they shoot yeah. him from the knees up, yeah. moving along. But yeah. you don't get to see really even really then, more when it splits. All of, all yeah. of those movies, yeah. I mean, all of the monsters in these movies, especially the Heisei era, I, I would say any uh, advice I could give to filmmakers is like never film the feet. The, fi- <laughs> the feet. The feet will always look fake. Fake, fake, fake. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so like the scenes where like Godzilla falls over and his feet are like super flat on the bottom. And I was just like, yep, that's yep. Just, that's what I'm talking about.
5: <laughs> yeah,
4: well, I would imagine the same thing goes yeah. for the Space Godzilla's feet. And, oh, I'm sure. And I'm stuff, sure. Yeah.
1: But uh, I, uh, the thing that struck me in this one that I hadn't in previous uh, viewings, which I've seen it countless times, <laughs> um, what is Space Godzilla's? motivation. It kind of shows up. It traps little Godzilla, which it should have just outright killed it.
5: No. Like, <laughs> honestly. No. Uh,
1: except for it plays such a pivotal role in Destroyer, but... Right, right. But... And then it flies off and creates some crystals in the middle of... Where was it? Kyoto? Fu- or where the, Wherever yeah. it's supposed to be. Um, it's
4: uh, the lower third major island of <laughs> Push your glasses man. back up on your
1: nose. <laughs> um, uh, but then it, uh, it's... Is it – it's a unique creature. Is it going to conquer the Earth? Well, for what purpose? It's the only one of its kind. I mean, technically, shouldn't it be trying to mate with Godzilla? Or – I mean, they are the same <laughs> species after all. In fact, they're kind of the same creature technically. That would have made a much different
4: film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it has always, no, I always considered it to be just, territorial. Yeah, it's just an evil monster. It's just yeah.
1: moving in on Godzilla's territory. They but. even,
4: like, solidify that in the end yeah. by, like, saying, oh, if we don't, you know – clean up our act, more evil Godzilla cells could go into a space rift and create this monster. (laughs) So dumb, (laughs) but I love it. Uh, Charles, what about you, man?
8: Well, I got to say, first off, I actually like it. I, uh, I agree with Rachel. There's, they threw in, I think, too much. Okay. And, and if you don't have a frame of reference, and, and I never watched these in order at the time. And so if you hadn't seen a couple of the previous movies, you can get a little confused yeah. about who's who yeah. and, and what's going on. But, but overall, that aside, as, as I've said before, I like monster action. So. Yeah. I like the design of Space Godzilla a lot, and uh, uh, even though, like Sane says, there, there's not a lot of uh, hand-to-hand combat, I still like it. The miniature stuff is still fun, and yeah,
4: uh, and, yeah. Sparkler uh, budget on this particular must have been
8: huge.
5: Exactly. <laughs> yeah,
4: I, I have a feeling that Koichi Kawakita, the special effects director from the Heisei era, basically just bought glitter and
5: and, <laughs> yes. uh, and magnesium,
7: candles? Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
8: and magnesium, In bulk. Yeah. like yep. he just
4: had like. Somebody walked into a warehouse was like, Whoa, dude, this is a bad idea. You have fireworks and glitter everywhere. And he's like, Yeah, you know, use it for every film.
8: Yeah, and there's a couple of things, you know, that, that grab me the uh, near the end, you know, um Mogir is on the ground destroyed and they they walk up it in this um you know, this fully destroyed section of Tokyo. It's not something I feel like I see a lot in the older movies. Oh the mm-hmm. down on the earth yeah, view. Down yeah, down on the, yeah. The, the the down on the earth view of of all the devastation. Sure, yeah. And it made me think of it actually, I thought it all looked really, really great, um, and but it made me think of uh, uh, the IDW uh, Godzilla Cataclysm, mm-hmm. where everything starts kind of from that point oh, in yeah. time. So the and
4: Cataclysm, for the listeners, was uh, the series set after Godzilla and all the other kaiju had ravaged the, the land, yeah. and you had like – it was almost Attack on Titan-esque, where there were like little pockets of humanity. Yeah, exactly. Everybody was praying like the monsters don't come back. Yeah, of course they yeah. come back. Yes. They, well, <laughs> it wouldn't be a comic without it. But yeah, yeah.
8: That's a movie I want to see. Anyways, that's besides the point. Uh, I, could see it. I could see it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot.
4: Cool. Uh, well, I think I've already said my piece on, on Space Godzilla. I'm a huge fan of the design like you guys. Uh, I like uh, a lot of things about it, but we'll, we'll go ahead and move on to – uh, well, actually, let's just go ahead and move on. What did, you, what did you like most about this film, Brian? What's what draws you to Space Godzilla, and you uh, the, would suggest things about it to other people?
7: I would agree that the design of Space Godzilla is awesome, and I will actually say uh, I think the design of Little Godzilla was pretty awesome. Like <laughs> cute. it maybe isn't She's rubbing off on oh, you. Yeah. Man. Oh, oh, man. Eleven years
6: later,
7: <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's definitely it's better in Destroya, and it's I liked the Baby Godzilla better in Mechagodzilla, but there's something about it that I sort of liked.
1: It's such 90 Chiba style, yeah. yeah can like, can, like, can and we, I do we talk not about like that it. a little I'm, bit?
4: Like yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of it yeah. when you're talking about mixing it into this series. I mean, let's be honest: the Heisei series is supposed to be this chronological, you know, mythos that they've built for these entire films you can say what you will about, like, how well they've done there. But the the fact that it went from, like, Baby Godzilla, and, oh, and uh, for the listeners out there, terminology we're going to be using, at least me, is Baby Godzilla was from 1993's Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. This one is called Little Godzilla, the chibi style, and then Godzilla Jr. is the one from Godzilla vs. Destroya. Uh, now that I've said that, the the decision to make it look... Uh, Super deformed or chibi (laughs) instead of a continuation of the previous year, you know, where you had Godzilla hatching, little baby Godzilla hatching out of an egg, which I Mm -hmm. actually always thought looked very kind of as accurate as you probably could make for, a a, you know, a rubber monster suit. And then when this showed up. I think you're talking about who was saying something about watching the movies out of order. Oh, It was, that was me, you Charles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I also watched them out of order. So like when I, I didn't know how bad the, the baby uh, little Godzilla was until I saw baby Godzilla from Godzilla yeah. Mechagodzilla <laughs> a little while later. Uh Yeah. But this, so this baby little Godzilla suit, you like it?
7: I, I do sort <laughs> of like it. It, it,
8: it, I feel like it belongs in a different movie. It
4: really does. It it, it It belongs in a a Hamtaro movie. It's like really. It belongs (laughs) in a museum. (laughs) It belongs uh, in uh, in a in a theme park somewhere.
6: (laughs) In a cartoon, to be accurate, actually is what the goal was. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Did you read about that? Yeah, I don't know if you guys read about that, but but Kawakita redesigned it so that it looked more cartoonish. Because he was hoping to launch a children's spinoff TV series entitled "Little Godzilla's Underground Adventure."
8: Mm. Logical, yeah. So I so would watch fun. that. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I was gonna
6: say, and we need to make that happen somehow. Well, were these <laughs> the,
1: were these the films that were being coupled with Humtaro,
4: or were those the no, two? Films? No, that was yeah. much later. Yeah, okay. these were. This was basically, you know, the actually. You know what? This is very much like "Son of Godzilla" was, right? Mm. Where it's sort of this last ditch effort. Our ticket sales aren't what we're, you know, anywhere where we need them to be. So we're going to throw something in and be like, all right, what can we do to get new people in? And, you know, with Godzilla versus Mothra, that was like one of the highest box office movies of the, you know, of the series. Um, The, one of the reasons that, went over so well is because women like mothra and that's uh (laughs) i'm not even kidding like that was a at least those are what the statistics have told us and what we've been told over the past you know several decades but uh i honestly felt that this one was like okay we've got to do something to bring more people in in. let's make it let's make baby godzilla cute just like they Mm. did with Mina back in Mm -hmm. 67 And so you can kind of see, like, this is that decline in ticket sales, and then, you know, their ending of the series, which is Godzilla versus Destroya, is like, yeah, we're going to pack that punch, just like we did in Destroy All Monsters, and just like we <laughs> are going to try and do with Final Wars, maybe many years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Rachel, you love.
6: I love little Godzilla. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's adorable. And I was so glad when they brought him back at the end. That was great. I think I squealed a little bit. So, yeah, he's awesome. Um, Is that your
4: favorite aspect of the film?
6: Yes, I would say so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I read that there was a part that they, a scene that they cut of Godzilla going, I think they were saving baby Godzilla out of the crystals or something, but it was found to be too emotional for the audience or something. And so they cut it, but um, kind of wish that was I in there.
1: Have my doubts about.
6: That. Yeah,
5: <laughs> I think yeah. if they were
1: willing to leave in all the incredible, like trailing plot holes, like right. they could have just shoehorned that in there. Yeah. Instead I of think things so. like interjecting a love aspect <laughs> with no no lead up to it yeah. whatsoever, yeah. <laughs> I think you could probably have left that two minute scene well, of Godzilla rescuing
8: his son. I agree. Apparently, a plot hole is better than sentimentality. Yeah. yeah. Apparently
5: so.
4: Mm. sentimentality does not belong in my kaiju films <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh i actually i did read that as well that mm-hmm. they they did not include the scene i didn't read that that was why i mean i assumed if if anything it was cut for content or cut for time or it cut be. for i don't
6: know yeah
4: i don't know i mean this this movie and i don't know how how well the the Millennium series did in this. I don't know if they shot on digital or if they were still shooting on film. I would imagine this was film. Well, this for sure. sure. Yeah. This for sure was film. But the Millennium, but, but the Millennium
8: series. As so, I think all of the Millennium for series yeah, I was gonna Is say on it's film still too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
4: so that whole thing where you have to, you know, you could watch the monitors, but you have to send your film for the dailies and so forth. Mm-hmm. Like I can see somebody coming into the set of this film, looking at the costumes, looking at the miniatures. Looking at the proposed effects and being like,
3: "Ooh, we got a
4: winner right here!" <laughs> and then the dailies come back; they're just like, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah, but uh, okay. Well, I mean, I obviously understand. Like, mm-hmm. you're a fan of the chibi style. I do. Baby I love monsters. It. So.
6: Although I do like, like Brian mentioned too. Um, I like the Mecha Godzilla, little uh, baby Godzilla, better. Oh, yeah. I like we'll that one. That, I love that dinosaur look of him, and I love the way he's. See, that's why that I heard, like so.
1: Godzilla Jr. is because it's yeah. such yeah. a good design of. You know, it's obviously Godzilla. It will yeah, obviously yeah. grow that's into true. a Godzilla. This one is so like a stuffed toy that <laughs> yeah, happens, <right. laughs> happens to walk just around. That's why I like it. Yeah. But yeah. The extremes are they're too extreme between like. Space Godzilla, which is obviously supposed to be such a twisted version of Godzilla, like a Mm -hmm. much more ferocious and twisted version. And then this, like I said, like a stuffed toy walking around. It's like it doesn't work (laughs) thematically in the film. Oh, it's
6: great. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Visual clash? I have
1: no idea. Yeah, I don't know. No. no. But I mean, this one was so obviously aiming at a very young audience because there's parts – and it, we were riffing a bit during the actual watching of the movie, and uh, the characters. Uh, it's uh, uh, Yuki and um, right, and uh, what are the other two? Well, Yuki like? is the battle hardened. Yeah, he's the right? battle hardened guy. But they like mm-hmm. one point. Like, where have you been? You've got a pilot, Mogera. He's like just hands helmets to the other guys. Like, well, you're coming with me. He's like. <laughs> There's no, these gentlemen have not been trained to our knowledge at all. They're just going to get into this
4: gigantic, this. Maybe every member of G Force is trained in how to fly in Bulgaria. Yeah. Or just a, <laughs> or a, a mech Godzilla. in
1: general. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's like a children telling, a, a child telling a story. Like, of, co- of course, there's no need to have any exposition there for these two guys aren't pilots, but you know, it's like, well, just like in a comic book. Well, of course they can just fly. Why not? It's yeah. Like because yeah. like, I think they were so clearly aiming for like an eight to ten year old audience where they didn't need any exposition. None. Yeah. They just say like, well, those guys can fly too because obviously they're on. Yeah, a yeah. Because you just accept yeah. it. Yeah, 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 for sure. But that, that's giving the adult audience no credit whatsoever. Like,
4: yeah.
5: none. <laughs> yeah.
4: Does the adult audience usually get credit? I think the adult audi- the credit for adult audiences is, go, yeah, we're going to throw Kenji Sahara into this film. Yeah. We're going to throw Akira Takarata into this film. So you'd for be like, oh, I remember him what from Mothra vs. Godzilla. Yeah.
1: From what, for what they do, for li- as little as they're in the film.
4: Sure, yeah, for sure. All right, Martin, it's time to... Show me the positive.
1: Uh, well, first off, I would
0: like to say that I did not know that this was a little Godzilla or a baby Godzilla, that there was a junior Godzilla, because I thought they were all just menia. Yeah. So this has been a fabulous conversation. Oh,
5: hey. With <laughs> edutas-
0: exquisite detail. Educational.
5: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I
0: had no idea. Um, so I will have... The, part of this will come back in the complaint section, okay. but... Uh, <laughs> like the suit designs Mm -hmm. and the miniatures were really great and I have to say like there was the the limited mobility that we talked about no moving around stuff like that but having the that big battle at night one of the big issues that I've had with a lot of the way these are filmed is they film in the day and just there's no perspective the way the cameras are set up and it all looks even when the miniatures are great they still look like miniatures it looks like you know it, it looks extremely practical and there's something about this night setup and shooting, and the way it was lit—that it it had depth, it had perspective, it had a, a just a lot more texture, and it just felt more visceral. And I, and I have to say that made getting to that point worthwhile. Cool. It was really good in that whole final section in there, despite the lack of movement in the creatures and all that. And I mean, that's really huge because that has been something I've seen as a major failure for m- most all of the big battle scenes. So yeah, I thought that was pretty great.
4: Right on. That's that's high praise. Nice work. Man. <laughs> yeah. All right, saying I've been working on that one for an hour now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, saying what do you got for me? Give me something you love about Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. Uh
1: well it's got a brisk pace, that's for sure. And 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 I mean the the continuation from the continuities of the previous films is is nice because they were telling people like, well, you've got to have enjoyed these other films you've had to have seen these other sure, films yeah, yeah. to to uh t- take away some of the characters motivations from this one was that successful not particularly in this one because there was a lot of characters there just thrown in very rapidly and you're kind of expecting like these guys have backstories i don't remember them from previous films <laughs> but uh but i do enjoy it and i have to agree with martin like the night shots help i, I think there's probably better examples of the night fighting in the ha series that i think it looked this one did to me felt like there was just a black curtain behind him the whole time uh though the miniatures for like the tower falling down i thought were excellent they're amazing great like they're one thing about any of these miniatures and and i guess at this particular one since this godzilla would have been the Three hundred and twenty-four foot tall yeah, Godzilla. This,
4: this would have been in the yeah. hundred meter range. Yeah, hundred meter yeah, range. Yeah, yeah.
1: So the miniatures are actually getting worse at that scale because they're. It's hard to capture that kind of detail in that. But these ones seemed like they were really good. They were like this, the buildings were falling apart. Well, yeah. we'll put it that way. They don't. They don't look funny. This doesn't look like a bunch of talcum powders. Just sure, yeah. Flung and out. They whenever didn't do it hits cars them. on this. That was one of the things I noticed. Yeah. There's yeah. like
0: no automobiles. Yeah, they left no, all that I out. Specifically. I
4: honestly think that you know, it, you know, and I have a huge amount of respect for Koichi Kojima. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the special effects director yep. from this era, and he, I think. Yeah, I will rag on him every once in a while for like the glitter or the excessive <laughs> smoke or the yeah. weird amalgamation creatures that can explode apart with just energy blasts. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, he obviously was learning from his mistakes in the previous films. I mean, Godzilla versus King Ghidra has some of the worst miniature effects. Oh, it has some ever. terrible ones. Yeah. And I think that he learned from that experience. And he goes, Oh, you know what? This is where I don't show the shaking of the glass in a Godzilla in a, a building Godzilla is about to attack because it's just not going to look right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think the, the miniature work in this film was while maybe not amazing, it wasn't obviously terrible. And that's a big, dis, you know, big, uh, line to cross in a Godzilla film. So, uh, I hear you I hear Yeah. Uh, where we we were at you, chart Charles right?
8: Yeah, well, having uh, four other people in front of me, they cover a <laughs> lot of <laughs> the points that I like. I mean, Martin hits on the, one of the things that I liked as well as the the nighttime battle. I like the nighttime battles whenever they happen in, in Godzilla movies because I feel, yeah, like like Shane's correct. It kind of does feel like there maybe there's a black curtain hang, hanging behind them, but but I think there's more drama to it. There's more atmosphere, as Martin says, and uh, that's certainly one of my favorite aspects of this. And I liked. I like a lot of the miniatures, including Mogira except I have one complaint about it that I guess maybe we'll come back to. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, that's really ultimately my favorite parts of the movie is, is the design, the miniatures. It all worked for me.
4: The execution of all yes, that, right? Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so actually I have, I have something that I don't know if I've ever heard anybody talk about in, in terms of praise for Godzilla versus space Godzilla. Um, if you think about the Heisei era, Most of the time, Godzilla is the bad guy in the Heisei era, which I love that about Godzilla. I don't think he should be the good guy. And I think the only way you can make him the good guy is just like they did here, where it's a territorial thing. You've got another creature who's a bigger, badder menace than Godzilla. And, you you know, one of the best parts about the original 1974 Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla is that whole thing where it's like – Godzilla can't defeat the bad guy on his own. So he has to get help from somebody else. And that's what you don't see in the entire Heisei era until this film. Really. You kind of see it a little bit in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla from 93 because
3: Rodan, but, in and Rodan come him. In, yeah.
4: comes in and saves him. But it's different because like Mechagodzilla, Super Mechagodzilla at that point is actually supposed to be the good guy. And Godzilla is sort of this weird bad guy, good guy, neutral thing. And in this film clearly he's ha- he has to be the back i mean he has to be the good guy to beat the big bad and that's what i'm like yes it's back to what people should be loving about these movies you know the the intricacies of the fight might be simple but the fact that godzilla has to team up with somebody else and they have to use their brains cuz they do i mean even though it might be silly in the in the in the context of the film the fact that they're noticing that godzilla is attacking certain aspects of Space Godzilla's defenses and that the humans and Godzilla are going to work together again, which is, I think, really cool, especially, you know, as an anomaly in the Heisei era. So I think that's probably one of my favorite things about this film. Uh There's lots of ne- negative things that can be said about <laughs> Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. What would you change, Brian, if you were going to tell Kawakita or the – Director, what would you be like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe not so much the love story or
7: something. Yeah, definitely the script is 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 all over the place and it, there's no focus. Uh, it, it, the monster movies that I like really kind of focus on a set of characters that I can kind of get into. And this one was just really all over the place and the characters were never really well developed. Like, I like the idea of Yuki being this guy who's like, you know, his friend was killed by Godzilla, which is actually footage from... Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, right? Of, no, from Biolante. Yeah, okay. so,
4: so that was the co- that was the connection there mm-hmm. because in Biolante there was uh, I think you know Lieutenant Gondo or something sure. like that, and he he was the one that turned around and Godzilla was all like, "Hey, you should stick to smoking," like, <laughs> and then Godzilla destroys the building. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
7: like, yeah. I mean that's that stuff's really cool. Like a yeah. soldier that wants revenge. It's but it's never it's never really well realized. He he doesn't really. He doesn't really bring it, I think. So and it's not, not really his fault, like it's the script I think that's just kinda Sure. Weak, yeah.
4: So. I actually do you know, I, I think one of the biggest flaws of the Heisei era in general is just that the act of filmmaking, story making just is kind of meh. Mm-hmm. Like not it's not like somebody goes who's the Akira Kurosawa of 1994? He should be directing this film. You know, like there's – no and not like they would have said that, but there's just – it seems to me like the the movies from the 90s are all kind of pretty kind of okay mediocre, but like nothing that makes me go, whoa, that was a great, great film. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about, right, Sane?
1: They are workmanlike. <laughs> they were constructed under the – company system. They knew sure. that they wanted to create a film in this genre that year. And so they had their studio crew make this movie. They didn't have anybody yeah. with a vision to make this movie. Which is I think the downfall of a lot of the Hey Shoes series.
4: Sure, sure. But I, I might, yeah. I'm even talking about like like Zerum.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, right? God. Like I love yeah. Zerum. Oh, I yeah.
4: love, love, love that movie. I yeah. love that one. I love the sequel. But mm-hmm they're flawed films oh, because they yeah. were made in the nineties. Yeah. And like, I just want to say like Japanese filmmaking wasn't up to snuff and, you know, to, to accomplish what they wanted. But part of the reason that I think that's the case is that, you know, they, they're just able to suspend their disbelief on some areas. And you know, that's cool. Whatever they see on screen, that's cool. It doesn't matter. So anyway, sorry it interrupts. <laughs> 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 no, no interruption.
7: No, it's, it's...
4: All right. So Rachel, what about you?
6: I'm going to go with, I didn't like the music.
4: Okay. So the composer for this, I'm not going to go too much into it because I still haven't finished my, uh, monster music mania episode that covers the Heisei eras era and the millennium series at least. But, uh, Takayuki Hatori is the composer. This was his first Godzilla film. Uh, he did come back for Godzilla 2000 and the music in Space Godzilla is all over the place. Yeah. Uh, some, I like some of it. I actually kind of like the Jaws riff, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I like the main battle themes, but that, that's kind of about it. Yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah. And I, I read that, um, Fukabe, um, after reading the script, uh, refused to do this film. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and yeah, it's too bad. Because films it just, this is just, yeah, a cast it's like, grab. oh, <laughs> I, nope. Um, and yeah, I, I just, the music, a lot of it felt very generic and just, not it didn't quite fit the film. It felt like I don't know. I it guess didn't I just really missed it.
1: It didn't especially fit certain scenes where yeah. it was just like, "Well, here's a piece of stock sound, to
8: just throw in here." There was a sense. lot of reuse. Right. Yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. That I too. mean, not even just like reorchestrations of the same thing. It's like the exact same chunk of music just plopped yeah. in over yeah. and over again.
7: <laughs> And it would also stop very abruptly. There's oh, so yeah. many moments where
4: there are a couple, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. That I was like you're not going to finish that theme. <laughs> yeah. You're not just going to like let that play out. Add <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> another three seconds into yeah. the film. You know, yeah. it's really strange. Yeah. it was bizarre. I, I I will say that like I you know there are a couple themes I like, but. I, I was not. Uh, I I like his music better for Godzilla 2000 than I do for oh, sure. for yeah. Space Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Even the, though they're neither one of them, the, are wrong.
8: That first moment uh, early on in the movie, you have that that shot establishing uh, um, the boat on the ocean. It sounds like the theme to uh, the Spy Who Loved Me.
5: Yeah, yeah it just, I
8: thought it was in a different movie altogether. <laughs> Although I don't mind that piece of music.
4: I don't mind it either. Although it was weird to have that piece of music playing and then hearing the little terrible beatbox in the background.
5: (laughs) What are you doing? Mm -hmm.
4: Don't you know you should actually be playing that music on the Mm louds? Doesn't matter. Uh, Martin.
0: So um, I've actually abandoned one of the bad points. (laughs) And I'm not going to bring up any of the, the plot issues. I think that's... It speaks for itself. One of the things that actually really bugged me about this film, especially thinking that it's 1994, is the the sound design. And when I go back and I watch older films and whether they're Godzilla ones or even American films, there are, you know, they went back and re-recorded audio and laid it down in there. And so there's not a lot of depth a lot of times, like maybe people walking, atmospheres, different things like that. But by 94, like that's dialed in. (laughs) There's been enough decades of filmmaking that it should be dialed in. So to have something where they've ADR'd the, the... Dialog back in so terribly and they're like sitting in a helicopter, but there's no helicopter sounds and everyone's talking in a normal voice. People are running through rubble and debris and there's no footfalls. There's like no soundscape. There are times when there was no soundscape. Uh, like maybe one or two different sounds but the whole world is like coming down around them stuff's happening monsters happen to be fighting and like all of this and it's super quiet it bugs me the (laughs) one that drove me really bothers me a lot more than it should
1: the first two the two G-Force characters meet Yuki on the island Mm -hmm. and little Godzilla comes over the hills like it's got to be at least eighty feet tall. You would have heard it walking. Yeah, nothing, no sound design whatsoever.
0: It and it, it. I admit, it does bother me more than it should. It drives me insane. Hmm. And it, but going back on some of the things that we've talked about with how these films were shot, the the fact that uh, a different composer came in, all of this, I would like to know how quickly they shot these films because it could very well be that they were just like. Get they were like four months. Typically, Get this thing out the right. door. Typically
4: what happened this, in the Heisei era, the release schedule went like this. Uh, the f- movie, let's just say X, would come out in mid-December. And they would do that for part of, I think, a film festival. So, Because this was basically like Toho's big special effects extravaganza for the year. Mm-hmm. So they put that out in mid-December. Then around spring, that's when they announced the next Godzilla movie. Uh, They start shooting in the summer. By the end of the summer, they finish their principal photography. They're doing their uh, secondary stuff and the special effects stuff. And then they're going into post-production around fall. And then by – Late November, they've got it ready for that same slot so again. So
0: I could see yeah. why there would be a lot of issues with, this is not a very complete script with well-thought-out situations. This is not a good soundscape. Yes. Yeah, we they got were, whatever yes. composer they we cre- could. Yeah, they were creating
1: product.
4: Yes, yeah, wanted
1: product every year.
4: Yeah, and so. that's what they, I mean, I was saying that about Shin Godzilla, is like, I, I hope that Toho, because they did not learn in the Heisei era, and they should have from the declining ticket sales, uh, that they need to spend more time and more effort and not just turn it into a product and, mm-hmm. and make it a mm-hmm. little more of a craft because, you know, the, they did the exact same freaking thing in the millennium series. Uh, you know, that series, especially had a movie coming out every year, the exact same schedule and the exact
1: same movie twice at one point. <laughs> like, <I> mean, <laughs> I, I'm not joking. Yeah. Like they yeah. released two Mechagazolas back to back and neither one spectacular.
4: Well, <laughs> well <laughs> this is not a discussion about Godzilla yeah. X, Mechagodzilla, or Tokyo SOS, yeah. but uh, I will tell you that I somewhat disagree with you on that. <laughs> their the own. Yeah, yeah, totally. But uh, so with that schedule, I think that that schedule is, is, with the schedule and the money they're given to make that happen, I just think it's not enough
0: oh absolutely
4: and you know you've heard me say this a lot you know i think they did the best they could with what they have and that's not how i feel about space godzilla that's not how i feel about a lot of the uh sorry not a lot of the heisei movies because i honestly feel like toho as a company relied too much on the formula too much on what you're saying saying about just creating a product like Mm -hmm. we've got to get it to you know, this is how we do it. And this is how we do it. You know, we're not going to make any changes. We're not going to break the box too much. Break the mold. Too
0: much. Why, why put effort into it? It's already working on on all these.
4: Yeah, yeah. Except the logic there is that it wasn't because the ticket sales because it was going diminishing yeah. returns. Well, yeah,
0: that. But that's assuming that they were paying enough attention. And by then, it might have even been like, we got to get another one out because something ain't working right. Get another one.
4: Yeah, I would imagine that, uh, you know, you wouldn't really see those box office receipts until mid-January, early early February yeah. to really know how the movie played out because I have no idea how long they stayed in theaters for mm-hmm. it in Japan.
0: And by then they were probably already working up the next one.
4: Probably somebody's working on it in the background. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times you hear about Toho approaching certain directors and say, "We'd like you to work on the next Godzilla movie," or vice versa, a director saying, "Like I'd really like to work on the next Godzilla movie." And then the producer at the time would have been Shoko Tomiyama, and he would have probably been walking up to directors at Toho who were already worked at Toho and said, "Hey, how would you feel about working on this next film?" Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know that's when the that's when the process goes, but. Back to your point. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely a much smaller cycle than, than should be, I think, for these films. It'd be kind of cool if they did them every other year and they had two years to work on them. Imagine. Yeah. What could have been? <laughs> anyway, uh, where did we leave off? You. Yeah.
1: Sane. <laughs> you know, uh it's funny because I I, I imagine the re- uh, the listenership of the podcast at this point it probably it just thinks I'm just some hater that I <laughs> you. Yeah. I don't I love these movies they're fun but they have deficiencies. Yeah and I don't this think one there's has the most. wrong with pointing out the deficiencies. Yeah, um one of the things that is uh that I really just do not enjoy about this movie is the fact that uh I found this in the he series in general is that they wouldn't make new roars for their monsters. They would do like Ghidra's Roar was Rodan's roar, roar. which drove me nuts. Um, And this one was Biollante's roar, and that drives me crazy. Like it's it's Biollante's roar. It's that modulated whale song roar. In fact, Biollante sounded better because I had the like distortion at the end of it that made it sound kind of like Godzilla's roar. Sure, but I just like just recycling something that even like that. Yeah. It's such a cheap thing to yeah. do. And I think, I want to say Batra's roar was Rodan's roar yeah. too, if I remember correctly. Yeah,
4: the haste put uh, I, I mean, I don't generally give too many uh, points on new roar design just because it seems like that's been the problem since the very beginning of Kaiju time is like <laughs> everybody goes, oh, that's a cool roar. We should just use that for our monster. <laughs> like well, yeah. That's why you get uh, Baragon and Varan sending a really,
5: really damn close, close sure. you know? yeah. Uh,
4: But yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, man.
1: But uh, I was gonna say the other thing that, like, probably the biggest uh, single issue I have with this movie is there's a huge section in the chen- uh, center that has like a mafia subplot that doesn't go anywhere, It <laughs> doesn't make any sense, <laughs> so uh, weird. other than to illustrate it. Uh, this. Good twelve minute scene of uh, Miki being abducted by mafia for no reason, <laughs> just to demonstrate later that she has telekinesis. Well, and that's by a,
8: by the yeah. the. Uh, mad scientist who turns out to be a bad guy was a good guy who just beginning. dies anyways
5: so
1: yeah. any he
8: kind of looks like a Japanese Rondo Hatton yeah exactly and then,
5: yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. well I think one of the other deficiencies <laughs> of the two series is that they would have the same actors be in subsequent movies as different characters and that was always a little frustrating
4: it's like, yeah there's definitely There's
1: they had a staple of actors that they used over and over again which they did Ooh. in the show a series too
4: yeah but like but, the, it's, it's weird because since every movie you know has the continuity. Mm-hmm. You're almost like, Oh, it's that same guy. Oh wait, no, he's a different oh,
1: no, character a different
5: this guy. time. <laughs> or a different lady.
1: Yeah. So Yeah. yeah. And the uh <laughs> and this is a side note. Uh every time there's a gunfight in any Say era Godzilla movie, that the place is just filthy with steam pipes. There's just like steam pipes <laughs> constantly being shot. It Makes no sense. Like even on spacecraft, like Godzilla versus Mech or uh, Gidra, like like just steam pipes, so steam or CO two, just like all over the place, just everywhere.
4: Well, I'm sure the effects guys in this room have no idea why that was <laughs> a, a staple in the films. Yeah. All right, Charles, what about you, man?
8: All right. Again, everybody's pretty much covered and I agree with most of these points. The uh the script is all over the place. The the the, the it's you know too many things thrown in. Uh, uh uh I think my only complaint that I'm going to throw on top of this is they have this giant mecha character that looks clean. And I'm like, at this point in time, doesn't anybody know how the weather, their mechanical stuff? It it betrays
1: its its miniature
8: origins when you get that clean. It's it's like they never saw Star Wars and just learned how to dirty something up a little bit.
4: It would absolutely make sense for a Mogara to be like super clean at the very beginning. And then especially after the space battle.
1: It's the the Power Ranger Zord
4: thing. uh,
1: It really looks phony. I never
4: thought about that until this viewing about how, oh my God. It's a Zord. Mogara is basically like, yeah, the, the power his, of any, any Sentai hero robot.
8: His design, Chains, is, his design is my least favorite of the th- uh, element of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah his head yeah. drives me nuts. It looks like it, you know it's a pheasant or something like that yeah, with that, yeah. with that, with that drill up, nose. It doesn't I mean, even have the it. charm of the original. That's the problem. It's like, yeah, you know, that's yeah.
7: A, the original is so great, and yeah. the new one is a step totally. down victim. Yeah.
4: He's so rad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
7: I love the, the
5: original.
4: <laughs> I love the original so much. I, yeah, the original Mugera is got like it's use the so on the original retro, mm-hmm. so yeah. retro looking, and I applaud Toho for bringing, attempting yeah. bringing yeah. something mm-hmm. old into the new and something obscure, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of, I think that's yeah. cooler than the fact that they, that Mo in the movie is like, Oh, they went for I, like the Mysterians. It's not even really in the Godzilla yeah. like continuity.
8: It's, yeah. it's, it's a minor complaint, but it's, sure, yeah. it's probably one of the few complaints I have, but
4: I, I can understand it, man. It's all, it all builds, right? Like you put it all together and that's sort of like, yeah, this is why the movie isn't a success. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's too bad. Uh, what would I say negative about this film? (laughs) I didn't think of anything. Um, I mean, sure, there's little things like men. Blu-ray, high-def, digital, pr- you know, presentation of this film is not kind to the wires. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. To I a
1: know. lot of the suit effects <clears throat> in general. I saw yeah. a lot of seams. A lot of seams, yeah. yeah. A lot of light.
4: I saw a lot of light bleed, actually, yeah. from, like, the the lights inside the suits. Yeah, I <laughs>
1: saw it in the mouths a lot. And uh, and Little Godzilla could very clearly see the Velcro seam for the yeah. back panel to get the, I assume, the little person that was. Yeah.
4: <laughs> little Frankie. Um, yep. Uh, I would say that I guess my biggest complaint is that uh, the overall expectation I had from the amazing, beautiful art from Noriyoshi Orai's poster was a million times better than the actual film. But, you know, I like I said, I. I got a love, a lot of love for this film. So
1: you could say that about all the posters, though. Because <laughs> I remember the one
4: for Mechagodzilla. Seeing again
1: the poster before the movie, and yes, a like, oh, man. Yes. look at Rodan. He looks, he looks amazing. Yeah. And
4: then he's a puppet. <laughs> he's not even a man in a suit. Eh, we're just gonna end the podcast here, and yeah. I'm just gonna start drinking now, yeah. now. I'm gonna start thinking about the, <laughs> the times I lost, yeah. hoping Rodan would look better than that. Anyway, uh, I you know let's move into our final thoughts, Brian.
7: Well, yeah, it's on the, it's on the lower end of the Godzilla movies, this one. Uh, but, you know, as a fan, there are elements to like, and, yeah, uh, we've covered a lot of it. So. <laughs> but yeah, it's, True. it's a real mixed bag. Uh, it, it's on the lower end of the scale for me, but but uh, there's something about it. Like the nostalgia thing is really, I think that's what makes me kind of like it. You know, like I remember being a fan in the nineties and bootleg tapes and G fan and all that kind of stuff. It, yeah. it brings that kind of stuff back. And as a fan, I dig that, but it's not a strong movie. So. Yeah.
4: That period in time when I was in college and it was like, I had seen Biolante, but I didn't mm-hmm. know they made any more. And then I got on the internet and I was like, Whoa, here we go. And like space Godzilla was probably the first movie that I was like, That, I gotta see that. I gotta watch that, you know. So I hear you. I'm on board. I'm on the nostalgia train. (laughs) Traveling towards Rachel.
6: Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) choo choo. Yeah. I, (laughs) I, yeah, I liked, I liked it. I like little Godzilla. Of course, Uh, always is going to have a uh, place in my heart. If you throw a baby monster in there, I'm in. So I dug it.
4: I figured you would. Yep. I figured you would. So <laughs> Rachel's final thoughts, Baby Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Two thumbs way up.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> Do you own a Baby Godzilla anything?
6: You know I was just thinking that that I don't have oh, so. a baby I don't have any Baby Godzilla figures and I definitely need to correct that.
4: By the time I started collecting Baby or not baby, little Godzilla was some stupid, ridiculously expensive figure. And it was like, it was so disappointing because I... Was like I really like this movie. I want something from all the all the monsters and and Mecca in it. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh well, <laughs> now I have it. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Martin. Final thoughts. Uh,
0: I did enjoy this film, uh, and I did have a nostalgic aspect for it for all of that. And uh, I would not recommend this for a new person, sure, because I remember yeah. how it hit me and uh, all of that. But yeah, I enjoyed it.
4: Cool, cool. So you'd probably say maybe after they've seen a few
0: yeah i think you could see a, a few of these things just so you have an idea Give of kind of base yeah, yeah. you kind of need to know how a few things work to know what's going on there because with just with all the people interactions with the plot holes and all of this stuff and and you get mogura in there and everything else i think it, you i think you get very lost in there really quickly and then it wouldn't matter what kind of action salvaged it
4: Rachel, I have a question for you since this was your mm-hmm. first viewing. Yeah. Did you, did you find yourself, you said earlier that you found yourself not caring or confused by the, the, all the like little plot threads that were in there. Yeah. If you had seen this when you were younger, like, would you mm-hmm. have cared about that as much? And I don't mean like as a little kid. I just like, right. mean maybe like as, because you have been watching these films for, how long it have really, you guys been yeah. I
6: guess and we've been together been 11 together, right? years. Yeah, so about 11 years. Um,
4: so like if he had showed you this maybe during on. your first year, would this relationship still be as strong? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: uh,
6: I think that uh, I, um, when I think back, I think on earlier... God, on films that I watched, um, earlier in our relationship, I think I was, I just would get obsessed with certain monsters and I think I would just cling on to little Godzilla and not really give it, not really care about, um, about what else is going on and just right, be like, right. I love that monster. And that's kind of it for me on most monster movies. It's, I, I really, you can ask me about the plot of a lot of monster movies and i'm like i don't really know i just know that that's an awesome monster design and that's all i watch <laughs> it for
4: that's all <laughs> that's right. i really care about
6: there's a lot of films where it's like i've only seen the movie once but i own a bunch of toys because i love the design sure like oh, yeah. you know that kind of thing so yeah i just cling to certain creatures and designs and i just fall in love with those but i don't really care what they throw them in i just love that design you know I buy a lot of robot stuff and they're not from anything that I know of. I yeah. just like robots. <laughs>
4: so <laughs> they make a little little yeah. Godzilla movie or yeah. cartoon. You're oh in. yeah, I'm I'm there. Yeah, yeah totally.
6: Sure. Big yeah. shock. Yeah, I know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. Zane, final hey. thoughts.
1: Um you know, it's uh it is nostalgia. That's probably honestly the only reason why I could tolerate watching this movie, even <laughs> being a Godzilla fan. And I will tell you exactly what it is. It was a being snowed in for a weekend when I was in college because I went to college in the Midwest, where you know you can get snowed in, which we don't even know what that means here, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, eating
5: thank
1: God like, we don't know what, this, what that means here, yeah, eating frozen pizza and like pulling my mattress in the living room and like with like my girlfriend at the time, and us just having a marathon of these movies, which is like eating pizza under a warm comforter while there's just snow falling. <laughs> And that is still such a like a romantic, nostalgic thing to me. I'm always going to love this movie just for that reason. You should have so. let me know beforehand. I would have had blankets and <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> little Totina's little pizza. Yeah, man. A <laughs> <laughs> little kid pizza.
4: <laughs> Instead of dropping money on that super expensive Domino's. Get <laughs> <laughs> exactly. some pizza rolls. Pizza rolls. Pizza rolls. I mean, <laughs>
1: Email me on this web zone first. Pizza you want some pizza? I think it's awesome
4: that Space <laughs> Godzilla's got uh, envelope.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, I think it's awesome that Space Godzilla's got its nostalgic hooks in at least three of us here. And that's uh, I think that actually speaks volumes for what it had potential for, at least. Yeah. Uh, so, Charles, final thoughts on Godzilla <laughs> versus Space Godzilla? <laughs>
8: I agree with Martin to the point that if this is your first Godzilla movie, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. And find something else, but I don't think you have to see all the other heisei that preceded this to actually enjoy this. I think you could watch it and kind of piece together what's going on. Sure. And, uh, and, and still have fun with it. I, uh, yeah, I, I would recommend watching it for somebody who's seen it, at least a couple.
4: What? I would recommend watching it anyway. Just yeah, because no, yeah. i i it's an interesting it's an entry into not just the film series of Godzilla, but also the kaiju genre. And uh, I think it's got some solid stuff going on in there. And i i I know that I have personally said that I know that this film is one of the worst
5: in the Godzilla series. <laughs> like I know
4: it just is that that asteroid scene alone <laughs> set us back oh, as man. Godzilla fans twenty oh. years. <laughs> But that being said, I love Space Godzilla. I love the design. I actually kind of enjoy the characters in the film, like all the human characters. I uh, I think, like we talked about, I totally just glossed over their whole backstories and just was like, yep, I accept that person yeah. as the doctor for who <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, yep. you know? uh, I think maybe that's the key in, into enjoying this film. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's not. <laughs> We received an impressive amount of homework for this episode, and uh, that includes some audio submissions. So we're going to start things off with Biterbeck.
3: Greetings, I am Biterbeck, and this is my homework submission for Kaiju Cash February 2016 Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. My overall impression of the film is that it's just okay. It's not overly impressive, and it's par for the course during this phase of the Heisei era. Lower production values, rush productions, and, in my opinion, just throwing crap at the wall to see what will stick. So what's good, you ask? There are a couple of shining moments and brilliant ideas that are in this film, most notably Space G himself. The callback to Godzilla vs. Biollante and Godzilla vs. Mothra Battle for Earth really add to this film, along with the familiar sweet face of Mickey Saragusa. Gotta love that fan service. Space Godzilla is an amazing concept. Birth out of a black hole from the combined cells of Biollante, Mothra, and Godzilla. I mean, that's truly amazing. There's a great kaiju design along with his list of abilities. Telekinesis, Flight, being able to harness the cosmic energy for making crystals. That's, that's really freaking cool. So the bad. There's a plot point in here. Godzilla mind control. Seriously? The random capture of Little Godzilla by Space Godzilla. And while we're on Little Godzilla, what the hell? Why did it grow up into a big lump of dough? An oversized, chibi, atomic, bubble-blowing, dough blob monster thing. It's cute and all, but a pointless inclusion and a horrible design. And random people flying into space. What was their mission? And if BioLanding is orbiting Earth, why didn't Space Godzilla tangle with it first before landing on Earth to harass little Godzilla? And the biggest disappointment I feel in this film, Mogera. Mobile Operation Godzilla Universal Expert Robot Areotype. Right. Sorry, Mysterians fans, but the inclusion of this mech, its design, and utter uselessness is astounding. It looks much cooler as separate units. Combined, it's highly impractical and awkward. Worst mech ever. My final thoughts. While not the greatest G flick ever, it does introduce some interesting concepts, and ideas into this long-running franchise. It's a fun yet m- misguided romp and the second to the last film in the he era. It is not a film I would suggest to anyone brand new to Toho's Godzilla franchise and only worth watching if you truly want to say you have seen every Godzilla movie ever made.
4: Our buddy Michael Deek has also said in his homework,
9: Well folks, we finally made it to this point. Our last Godzilla movie in the Kaiju discussion list, and boy, is this one a mess. Honestly, have nothing much to say about the human plot of Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, because, well, there isn't one. The only character I do want to talk about briefly is Yuki. <laughs> oh, Yuki! If you seriously think that your bullet can succeed where G-force failed miserably, then you're sadly mistaken. Also, is it just me, or does the man look like he's had a bit too much sake to drink? One good thing I do have to say about this movie is that it brings up the ethical question of whether we should kill Godzilla or let him be and just study him, as well as humanity wielding this powerful force of nature for both good and evil purposes. However, this interesting concept the movie is trying to take is overshadowed by multiple subpar subplots. The effects are just basically the same stuff that Kawakita has been chucking at us for the past three movies, and you can clearly tell that uh, he and his team were not trying their best with this one. This is clearly evident in the poorly done battle scene between Mogira and Space Godzilla in an asteroid belt, as well as Godzilla's tail holding on by just a thread. Even though I do like the concept of Godzilla fighting an evil clone of himself from outer space, it does beg the question... Would those same reasons why the characters should not kill Godzilla apply to Space Godzilla? Would Space Godzilla essentially have the same feelings and uh, emotions that Godzilla has? On the other hand, I actually did like Little Godzilla's design. And say what you will, I personally think that this is how Minya should have looked like in the Showa era. Mogira is an okay addition to the film as well after not being seen since 1957's The Mysterians. I also like the idea of Mogira being able to split into two different ships, which reminds me of both Ultra Hawk 1 in Ultra 7, as well as Daizujin in... Kyoryu Sentai! Juranja! As well as in other Sentai series from that decade. In short, I'm giving Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla only 2 out of 5 stars. It is probably the most disappointing installment of the Heisei series, and it could have been so much more.
4: And finally, Diego shares his thoughts on Space Godzilla.
9: Good day to the Kaiju cast.
2: Here are my few random thoughts made while watching Godzilla vs. Spice Godzilla, the TriStar double feature DVD release. Showing how to build your own Magira was very cool. We'll have to check if the model shop model kit is from this movie or the Mysterians. Baby monster at the 9 minute mark. Neat concept, bad optical effects. NASA space station effects looked bad, but insten- instantly improved when this crystal spikes attacked. I didn't know that Godzilla was related to smog with one vulnerable spot in his armor skin. If the tear gas barely affects YB Godzilla, what use will it be to be or will it be on Big G? Space Geography is off by a bit. Asteroids by the moon? Eh, better not talk about the asteroids. Speaking of geography, Infin Island, Earth Island, Monster Island? Eh if the game in the background while the two guys were attempting to get a prize from the claw game in the arcade it was a weeping angel game, I would hate to blink during that game. Any problems with delicate, electrically-based brain equipment, just cycle the power up and down as fast as possible. Dying while straddling a computer is a good way for a bad guy to go. Contender for most romantic line in a Godzilla movie yet. Fill it. It's out of gas. As Major Yuki tosses his prize lighter to Dr. Gundo, Mogira elected best during the encounter at Fukioka. Crystal shards were reminiscent of the 50s horror movie The Monolith Monsters, one of the best effects of the movie. How did Baby Godzilla get out of the crystal cage and did Godzilla even try to get him out? I think some things were cut out of this DVD. Some other non-random thoughts. Is there a good US release of this film? Little Little Frankie as well as the other suit actors sold their performances even if the blue screen let them down. I liked a good bit of this film but there was a bunch of uneven parts and a bad transfer made this movie in the lower tier of Godzilla films for me. Two to two and a half stomps out of five monster stomps. I would not recommend this for a Kaiju newbie unless I was forced by the Cosmo twins. Thank you and have a good day.
4: What makes this movie so frustrating for Herman is that he likes the Space Godzilla design, but finds the battles between Godzilla and Space Godzilla so boring. Space Godzilla, what a monster, eh? Through sheer will to summon forth gigantic crystals, seemingly making them manifest out of nowhere. Herman always thought it looked neat seeing the city and landscape covered in these huge crystals. Could you imagine if Space Godzilla joined forces with Walter White? Oh, God. (laughs) Japan would be one hyper itchy country. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Herman also likes how Space Godzilla has a more malicious version of Godzilla's face, especially with those jagged fangs. As cool as Space Godzilla looks, you could see the awkward, clumsy Space Godzilla suit precluding any exciting physical melee battles. So instead, we're treated to a beam-slash-crystal missile battle that just doesn't hold Herman's attention. The scene where Godzilla finally gets close enough to bite Space Godzilla doesn't make up for the preceding boring battle. Mogura looks ridiculous. Looks like a Terminator Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> the effects for when Mogra and Space Godzilla fight in space in the asteroids were pretty bad. Uh, yeah, man, that is like probably <laughs> the biggest complaint I've ever seen about this film. Mothra's appearance, although very brief... Is another obvious detriment to this movie. Oh, so but f- so you know, Jeff's not here, sorry, man. <laughs> and that scene where the tiny little fairy mother appears in front of that girl, man, what Herman would give for a nice fly swatter at that moment. <laughs> little Godzilla's design doesn't bother Herman. At least he has more of Godzilla's recognizable features than Mina did. Herman's curious how little Godzilla rates on Rachel's cutesy, kissy, schmoosy, huggy, baby monster uh, scale. I think that's
6: Hi,
5: my answer.
4: <laughs> Would little Godzilla be, like, rank top as your, like, cutest baby kaiju?
6: No. I – well, I don't – I'd have to think about it. But baby – I like baby Godzilla from Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla better than this one. Right. Okay. So – um, But as far as cutesy, plushy, yeah, chibi, so, I don't know, super I kind of – I'd put the Dorats above that okay. as far as, yeah, cutesy, plushy. Okay. Of, I don't know. But it's up there. It's up there.
4: All right. Uh, bottom line, this certainly is one of those movies you put on in the background while doing other things, because it's just not
7: that entertaining. Stephen quotes, Well, the psychotronic generator can't do much. A great line from this often maligned film, and a line Stephen tries to incorporate into conversations whenever possible. <laughs> <laughs> it seems a lot of fans dislike this movie, and he gets why that is, but he likes it. It does kinda seem to have suffered a bit from apparent corporate overseers who wanted a little bit of everything thrown into the mix. And yes, the name Space Godzilla is kinda lazy. He's sure the idea was to have a new monster, but also kind of familiar to the fans. But not a mecha, so we get the crystal blue persuasion version of the big guy. But when it came to naming him, Steven's thinking, Dave's not here, man. Anyway. <laughs> Suffice it to say, it's a fun, if uneven, continuation of the Heisei storyline, not without its charm to be sure, and maybe it hasn't aged as well as some of the other entries, but it doesn't deserve the bad rep that it gets. On a side note, Steven wants to take Space G with him to Vegas. He'd clean up while Space Godzilla tore down.
8: What would you name Space Godzilla if that wasn't an appropriate, or if you wanted a better name? I mean, what else could you possibly call him? I mean, it's just...
4: If he's like, oh, you guys just gave me the lame name of Space Godzilla? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> he, wants his, he wants his Panda Baba over Walrus Man yeah. thing, right? Yeah, right.
8: Exactly.
1: Uh,
4: Super little Space Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord, what would you call him? I don't know. That I mean,
8: Space Godzilla is the most appropriate thing to call him.
4: It really is. I mean, we're dumb humans. He was born from, from space. He's <laughs> born from space. <laughs> it's a Godzilla. It's from space. He's, he's b- part G-cells. He's, cells. he's the part...
8: G-cells through a black yeah. hole. I mean, it's... Well, he's
4: part
1: Biollante and part Batra. You could have incorporated that somehow.
4: Is he part Batra?
1: I thought that was fake. He's got the Batra thing in the right in the middle of his head, yeah. the same as Batra
8: does. I mean, I understand part Biollante, part yes, Godzilla, yeah. but... Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, all right. Didn't mean to sidetrack. (laughs) Sidetracks
4: are perfectly welcome, sir. Mike Keller says that it has been suggested by some that Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla often gets a bad rap because it both comes after the vastly superior Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2 and was out of the same time as the vastly superior Gamera Guardian of the Universe. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Mike says crap movies look like crap movies compared to other films because they are crap. And over 20 years later, Mike thinks that Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla seems more crap than ever before. Like most bad films, Mike says it has a few saving graces. The Godzilla suit itself is superior to the one from the preceding film, and the English-speaking actors (laughs) are better than what we'd previously witnessed in the Heisei era. Even if their speaking lines are no less ridiculous. NASA can only assume that the space station blew up because of a giant monster. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That was the first thing they thought of. (laughs) And parts of the soundtrack reminded Mike of the band Manson's excellent 1997 album, Attack of the Grey Lantern. Don't feel bad if you've never heard it. Most Americans haven't. But Mike has since heard that the very same parts of that album were inspired by John Barry's 1967 theme for You Only Live Twice, so maybe if he were more up on his James Bond, he would have said that instead, but that's about it. Mike thinks that there's so much wrong with this movie, it's hard to know where to start, and something will almost certainly be forgotten. The effects. Yeah, Mike says it was 20 years ago, but he was around 20 years ago, and everyone was complaining about them then, so don't give him that. Mike says... Never mind that the asteroid battle between the lamified Mogera and space crystal Sonic the Hedgehog is put to shame by the asteroid scene in The Empire Strikes Back 14 years prior, but it's put to shame by the space effects in Toho's own battle in outer space 34 years prior. Did Mike say that Mogera had been lamified? He thinks they took one of the most unique robot designs of film history and animated it to death. That was an interesting way to say that.
1: I can't disagree.
4: Yeah, no, I totally I totally agree. Uh, ironic that the actual anime robot Turtle King from Ninja Science Team Gatchaman is more faithful to the original Mogera design than the live-action update. I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> but Mike asserts that thank heavens for the valiant assistance of Mothra and the Cosmos. Without sending the vi- <laughs> the first vital message that the giant monster was approaching Earth and that we needed to fight it, it was almost certain that we would never have noticed the interstellar ugly raining terror down from the sky and would probably have just calmly let it wreak havoc as it did whatever it wanted. <laughs> hey, sidebar, this was the first appearance, technically, of Fairy Mothra in this movie, right? That's true, yeah. I know, super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Fairy Mothra. Or <laughs> cringe worthy.
7: <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: <laughs> Kids, if you liked Fairy Mothra from Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, wait till you see Rebirth of Mothra! (laughs) (laughs) Ah, okay. Without the second message, that the Earth belongs to all living things, we might have, um, whatever. And without the third and final congratulatory message, that would have been one less thank you. A great move on sharing this exclusively with Mickey, who proceeded to share it with absolutely no one. But Mike thinks it's nice to see Mickey finally use her power of her radar dish ears to move things around. (laughs) She's like the Jean Grey of, you know, of the Toho universe. Doesn't know how to use her powers. Eventually destroys a planet in the Phoenix force. No. (laughs) He notes that this is apparently awakened by the fact that she's found someone who is willing to hold her hand on the beach while crap Japanese pop songs play in the background. (laughs) I thought it was awakened by someone giving her Mothra emblem earrings. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because they really played that up in the film. The plot to try and telepathically control Godzilla. Mike says to ignore whatever problems he has with the concept of that idea. Nothing is ever done with this project. Project T tests it against Godzilla, who's already walking on the beach, with Mickey saying, I'm going to try and make Godzilla walk. Uh, the underworld uses the power to briefly make Godzilla surface from the ocean and do nothing. Mike asks, since when is Mickey so concerned about Godzilla? We've never seen any indication of this in her appearances up until now. Really? I thought she was super concerned with Godzilla in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla when she had to blow apart his brain. Yeah, I think so. She seemed really concerned, even though she did it because she was under orders. Regardless, Mike noticed that it is mentioned that Yuki is the only one who could pilot Mogera. Why? What happened to the existing pilots? They probably got killed when they got back for failing to kill Space Godzilla <laughs> yeah. in space. When did he get the training? Yeah, that's what you were asking, saying. When did he get the training in piloting Mogera? He's been playing Revenge Gilligan on that island all the time. The <laughs> robot's been built and tested. And at the last moment, he asks Tweedledum and Tweedledee if they want to pilot the robot with him instead of the other experienced pilots who are already there. Mike's forehead is already sore from the face palming. He also says that Little Godzilla is... Well, see, this is just going to make Rachel angry, Mike. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Mike says Little Godzilla is crap simply for existing. (laughs) He says... But then he goes on to say that you can have him, Rachel. You can have him. Really, take him and don't let anyone else ever see him. Oh,
6: I want to share him.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of little Godzilla, even though it makes Mike happy when bad things happen to him, he thinks the choice to remove the scene showing Godzilla trying to free the little guy from the crystal cage and failing is completely donkey. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> it renders the situation nonsensical. It literally says donkey right there. It renders the situation nonsensical, and nobody seems to care, that Godzilla just buggers off for no reason. In closing, Mike suggests that even if somebody were to disagree with all the points thus offered in the case against Space Godzilla, there is one grievous crime it commits that could be forgiven by no one. <laughs> <laughs> Actor Akira Emoto's bare ass.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: that should never, under any circumstances, be subjected to anybody and it is a crime against humanity and nature, and in fact probably could have been used in a medusa's head fashion as a secret weapon against space Godzilla, although, like the oxygen destroyer, it would have been a weapon capable of much destruction in the wrong
8: hands yeah, you know, as far as asses go, that wasn't that bad
4: no i thought it was I thought it was a fine ass. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd say that out loud. That's a,
7: great qu- <laughs> <laughs> That's a great quote for them to put on the poster. It's a
4: fine it's ass. A fine ass.
6: <laughs> there are things Taylor likes about Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, like the look of both Space Godzilla and Godzilla. He likes that Miki continues to be in the story and has a bigger part than some previous films. Other than that, he doesn't have much else that he likes about the film. Taylor was only left with questions. Why is Mogura in the film and not Mechagodzilla from the previous film? How can someone think that they can kill Godzilla with one bullet and a little coagulant? And the big one, why should Taylor care? He found himself not caring about anything happening or anyone involved. That is the worst sin of the movie.
4: Okay, let's answer some questions. Okay. Why, isn't Mogura, why is Mogura in the film and not Mechagodzilla? It's because Mechagodzilla was destroyed at the end. I mean, full-on destroyed at the end of the film. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Godzilla went nuclear pulse extreme on it.
1: But if you're making two robots, you could have just made
4: another Mechagodzilla. (laughs) Clearly, Mechagodzilla didn't work, though. Well...
1: Not like Mogura was a better,
4: you know, design. Well, and, and hey, man, they, they thought they were doing right. <laughs> and Mogura,
1: Mogura
0: is, like, fully built. Like, they're about ready to put the last pieces together when they're like, oh, look, there's a Space Godzilla all of a sudden. It's almost as if there is a beginning that is missing that they're like, hey, we got to build another one of these things quick. Oh,
4: yeah, you <laughs> had to buy the Godzilla versus Space Godzilla <clears throat> prequel video game to edition. comic book <laughs> to figure out what happened there. Yeah. It's an event. No, that's not really true. <laughs>
0: Mogura year one. Mogura year one.
4: Yes. And actually I always figured that Mogura wasn't specifically built to destroy our battle monsters. I always thought Mogura was built for other purposes and they were just kind of like, Hey, this drill thing that also flies, we could use that. But I don't know. Does that just me? Did you guys think Can that we ever? put
0: spinny rockets in these hands? Yes.
5: <laughs>
4: Spider missile. <laughs> All right, sorry. Please continue. Let's see. Oh,
8: we he had a second question. Oh, How can someone sorry.
4: think they can kill Godzilla with one bullet and a little coagulant? Well,
8: and actually, mm. on top of that, where is it established that that is a weak spot under his arm? I was wondering. Yeah, that yeah, was weird. Where
4: the, yeah, the smaug. I don't think reference it, came in. Exactly. I don't <laughs> think it was ever established. I think. But I mean, in
1: no other movie, like, anyway, so the it's, character it's, is clearly supposed to be. Kind of crazy. So, I mean, he could have just convinced himself that he <laughs> so, thought that they
4: so could. So, if we're talking about the continuity involved, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, Yuki is Gondo, right? Mm-hmm. So, he's related to Gondo or is friends with the guy from Violante yeah. yeah, who mm-hmm. was studying Godzilla. So, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that he in- inherited all of the research. Mm-hmm why are you making me think about this so much?
8: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that weakness ever being mentioned you know, in anything. ever.
0: And you know, that's on it. the assumption that Godzilla's got blood, that they have a sample of, <laughs> that they found a coagulant for that they're going to shoot into him. Well, I mean that they
8: have had lots of biological blood samples, samples yeah. of God, Godzilla over all of the uh, that movies. That is true. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the Heisei era. Yeah. 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 So I could imagine, I can imagine that, but they never established that there's a coagulant that's going to do anything.
5: Anyway.
1: They for sure had it took five years to make it flesh yeah. <laughs> and blood from Violante because that's how yeah. they even create her in the first place. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's I'm literally kidding. the opening scene of the movie. I'm like using salad tongs to pick up a piece of flesh.
8: Yeah,
4: yeah. I always thought that that was an interesting take on killing Godzilla, and and you know the Heisei, Sarah, Heisei series or era. Don't mix those two words together into one. <laughs> uh, you know, we often rag on them for ripping off other movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so for example, Indiana Jones movies were ripped off like crazy for Godzilla versus Mothra, <laughs> or Terminator, or Aliens. Terminator <laughs> or aliens. Yeah, yeah. Like, so these movies are notorious for ripping off other well done films. And so I could honestly say, like, I've never heard of that particular option. Being you know used against something else, but I don't.
7: I I I could point out that in Jaws two, Chief Brody is going kind of crazy. Thank you. <laughs> and he creates he, he makes a little bullet that has like some kind of blood thing in it. I'm very vague on the on the details, but he does make a specific bullet with some kind of like blood thing that he tries to actually shoot the shark. He try to shoot because he's going crazy.
6: The shark's yeah. armpit. It doesn't aim for the shark's armpit. <laughs> yeah.
7: but <Okay>. Thin pit. <laughs> Maybe so I'm just trying to shoehorn in a Jaws reference. Hey, but you know what? I'll you accept You mean it. there's
8: more than one Jaws movie? There is. Oh.
6: There, is. there yeah. isn't. Yeah.
8: Not that I'm aware of.
6: Yeah.
4: All right.
8: You can continue reading now.
6: Okay. <laughs> are you going to answer, why should Taylor care?
4: Because it's Space Godzilla, dude. Okay. It is Space Godzilla. All right. That works.
6: Uh, he found himself not caring about anything that happened or anyone involved. That is the worst sin of the movie. The ending is horrible. Mickey invades her new friend's mind and forces him to watch the horror of Little Godzilla. <laughs> I think he miswrote that. No, I think uh, he yeah, I absolutely mean, nailed yeah. that. Uh, and Why, Mickey? Why? He says, because Little Godzilla is awesome and you got to show that he survived and everybody loves him and you gotta show the little sparky things that he's shooting out of his mouth cause he's growing and he's gonna be a big Godzilla boy
5: big Godzilla boy
6: <laughs> 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 he's
7: a little Godzilla boy and one day he'll be a big Godzilla boy yeah that's
6: right
4: he's gonna turn you into a Godzilla man <laughs> <laughs>
5: that's
6: right
4: Well, Jamie has just finished watching this month's homework, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, and of all the Heisei movies, it's definitely a mixed bag. Part of it may be due, from what Jamie's read a long time ago, to the fact that the director, Takao Oara, I actually have to correct you, it was Kensho Yamashita, actually, and um, he was... Really, he he only directed this film, and he was uh, the chief assistant director on Terror of Mechagodzilla. But uh, we're going to continue reading your homework, man. It certainly would explain the rather odd behavior of the rogue UN scientist who kidnaps Mickey, and when Space Godzilla attacks, is madly trying to wire his telepathic projector computer into working order. However, regardless of what anyone has to say about the movie, Jamie loves Mogera. When the Monster Arts figures first started to come out, Jamie's first figure was a Heisei Mogura, and he's never regretted it. He's so cute. See, he likes Mogura like you like little
6: Aww, <laughs> that's nice.
4: Uh, Jamie did include a picture of the figure with him. I don't have the Monster Arts Mogura. I have the Transforming DX one that came out in, the, in 94, actually. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, he also goes on to say that Mogura was rather unique in the way that it could separate and transform. And it went out like a champ hanging in there almost until the very end against the likes of the ultra powerful Space Godzilla. And what a beast for the king of Kaiju to face. However dumb a name it was, however contrived his origins. Seriously, black hole and white hole crystals. Come on. That scientist was just making stuff up. <laughs> it looked evil and menacing. Godzilla may be monstrous, scary even at times, but he's not evil. Space Godzilla was really evil. With its crystalline structure up the back and barbed tail, that evil fanged grin, even the crown on his head seems to be both a proclamation of its desire to grab the crown from Godzilla as king of the monsters, as well as a mockery of it. That's a good point. And the way it stabbed Mogara in the gut and tossed Jamie's poor mecha aside after blowing its left off after having its main source of energy destroyed... Taking multiple full frontal blasts from Godzilla's breath attack to the chest, Space Godzilla just did not quit. And the set of the final battle was just massive. It must have taken weeks to build and plan and implement. We had flying mecha and kaiju and giant crystalline projectiles. It was truly an impressive piece of set making from the Heisei era. Great, too, was the progression of Mickey Sagusa's character, as played by the wonderful Megumi Odaka as she continued on in her quest to have the world simply leave Godzilla in peace, as well as showing off new powers, such as telekinesis. Great, too, was it to see her come so far from a lone esp in Biolante to the head of Japan's ESPer department. Jamie has no idea what Shinjo was going on with in his discussion about finding someone to love while Mickey was just trying to work. Go try to get your groove on somewhere else, bro. <laughs> <laughs> However, the plot feels like a mess. After all, everyone knows that the events of Godzilla versus Biollante and Godzilla versus Mothra were erased from history because of the events of Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. <laughs> Excellent point. And yet both were referenced as an explanation for how the Big G's cells made it into space into a black hole. Also, the entire subplot with the evil human scientist who has Mickey kidnapped for the Japanese mafia and some really generic-looking white dude mobsters made no sense. I'm just going to go on a sidebar and say those dudes in that movie did not look like Yakuza.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I've
4: seen a lot of Japanese movies. I've seen a lot of representations of Yakuza. And like, those just looked like terrible American gangsters and a, Mm -hmm. and a Japanese guy with long hair. (laughs) Yeah. Boo earns. (laughs) It made no sense. It could honestly have been dropped from the film and not made much of a difference. At least it showed Mickey showing off her powers in an effort to save herself Overall, Jamie would show this to a veteran kaiju fan. It's not as solid as an entry to stand on its own as Biolante was. It has way too many plot holes, and some of the performances are just odd. Still, it has the best mecha ever, Mogera! Yay! I guess I could do... Yay! (laughs) Like Kermit there.
0: And my own quick side note, I haven't watched Biolante in a long time. That was like one of the earliest ones I think we watched as well. That's one I'll have to go back and watch again. I it seems mm-hmm. like I wa- I really liked that one.
4: It's a great one. <laughs> yeah. It's but it suffers from a lot of the same problems that the Heisei movies do mm-hmm. where they, you know the, mm-hmm. the movies are just kind of that whole mediocrity thing that I was talking about. Like I want to say like oh they did the best they can, but the, you know the difference is that when Biolante came out, it was supposed to be right this is... I'm not going to talk about this. This is a total sidebar. <laughs> I'm, just, all I'm saying is I want to go back and watch that yeah, one again. You should yeah. come over and watch the Blu-ray because it, it Absolutely. actually looks really good. Yeah. yeah,
0: for sure. All right. While Clancy easily ranks Godzilla versus Space Godzilla at the bottom of the list of Heisei films, he feels it has enough positives to still be a fun watch. Space Godzilla's entrance on the surface of the planet is exciting and contains some cool shots that establish the character as a menacing foe. Clancy thinks... An anti-Godzilla created by G-Cells carried into space by Biolante and Mothra was interesting and he likes that they tried it. His dream monster would be a more of a combination of the three, creating something like a winged swamp-thing version of Godzilla. Mogura was a welcome addition in Clancy's opinion. He loves Mechagodzilla and Kiryu, but why not try something fresh? It is far from the coolest giant robot design, but it has a retro style that he liked. He is a fan of giant robot interior shots and human crews uh, in matching flight suits. This movie had just that. <laughs> Clancy doesn't like to focus on the flaws, but he will acknowledge a few. He thinks that the flying shots were terrible. If you cut out every shot of Space Godzilla in flight, the movie would improve drastically. Just because he is Space G doesn't mean he has to fly. That leads to Clancy's next point. The film is Inconsistent. They have some wonderful shots that are cut with much poorer quality shots. He feels that these stand out a lot more in the film because of the large contrast. Lastly, Clancy loves Mothra, but for the haters, he will fully acknowledge Mothra and the twins are completely pointless in this movie. Clancy wonders if Godzilla versus space, Godzilla may have worked better outside the Heisei series. He thinks it would have been fun to see a standalone millennium film with a throwback vibe. Toss in space, Godzilla, Mogura, and maybe a weird alien race in the flashy attire pulling the strings. What we did get is an all-right Godzilla film that is still entertaining to him. In the immortal words of Akira Yuki, Guys, are you having fun? Let's kill Space Godzilla first. (laughs)
4: Adam notes that Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla is one of the more widely disliked Godzilla movies, and while the film itself is far from terrible, there are more than enough problems with it to merit a lot of the heat the movie receives. This ranges from the overly complicated story drafted by writer Hiroshi Kashiwabara to the fairly meek and underdeveloped characters that have hardly any life breathed into them from the actors either. The story isn't all that bad, certainly nothing original, but doesn't commit any crimes to the character's legacy. Its problem, though, is that it simply takes too many detours along the way. For example, everything involving Project T and Okubo feels incredibly out of place and tacked on as it has little to do with the story as a whole and could easily have been cut out. There is also another side plot involving the character Yuki and the blood coagulant that he calls the Yuki Special. In its defense, it's certainly not a bad concept, as it's nice to see something more scientific utilized against the creature as this has been mostly absent since the anti-nuclear energy bacteria in Godzilla vs. Biollante. Unfortunately, this plan involves Yuki chasing after Godzilla with an automatic weapon loaded with just the coagulant, a concept that is made even worse by the fact that the pacing for this sequence is horrendous as it just seems to drag on. In regards to the production values, it's a very mixed presentation. On one hand, the movie showcases some of the best and worst special effects scenes in the Heisei era, one of the more infamous sequences from the film would be the asteroid scene, in which Space Godzilla and Mogura engage in battle in Toho's dark room. Also, those award-winning special effects and acting when Space Godzilla attacks the space station. However, one of the best shots from the movie and the series happens when Godzilla first emerges from the water, heading toward Birth Island. The brief shot of Godzilla with water up to his knees while advancing on Birth Island is breathtaking, and I agree. Ever since yeah. I saw mm-hmm. the movie, I have been mega impressed with that shot and i know it's composited you know it's Mm -hmm. just you know a live live shot very well Mm -hmm. done they it was like the one of the first times they got something perfect and i was like that that entrance is so boring from like the appearance aspect like like oh my god godzilla erupts from the earth in godzilla in mothra versus godzilla and he explodes out of the water and destroy it to fire at a jet. Like, in this one, it's like, he just comes out of the water towards an island. But damn, does it look good. So good. Anyway, the concept behind Space Godzilla is an interesting one. Unfortunately, his execution is terrible. He's just a boring villain. He looks great and terrifying, especially the head. The colors are cool with the blues, the white crystals, and the yellow horn, but he's way too top-heavy to the point that he can't do anything outside of just shooting and flying. Overall, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla is slow, tedious, and excruciatingly dull, and is really only suggestible to the more dedicated Godzilla fans.
8: So, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, also known as Stefan vs. The Urge to Sleep. Stefan thinks that Space Godzilla was a nice idea. Nice, not good. But it seems they couldn't find a story about this monster that fills a movie. So the fight at the end is stretched out to the limit, but the movie is still too short. A robot chicken is thrown into the story, which is better than the original Mogera, but still too short of a movie. So random story elements are pulled out of a hat, namely telepathic control, revenge, and the Yakuza. And finally, the movie is full and makes no sense at all. This is shouldered by an understaffed team consisting of characters that are probably always on the front because their superiors hope they get killed, (laughs) (laughs) delivering dialogue from hell. Also, Little Godzilla has a very awkward phase in its maturing and manages to look far cutesier than Toto in Gamera the Brave. And there was the space scene that looked as if it were from a movie not made for children, but made by children. They managed that better Sick in. Burn. <laughs> they managed that better in battle in outer space. Random question: Does Stefan miss where the crystals were coming from that were growing from the ground even before Space Godzilla arrived? He
4: shot them. So when Space Godzilla was approaching, didn't he like way deep in space? Did, I think he fi- at the very beginning of the movie he fired off some volleys toward Earth. <laughs> and that's where those came in and then my my assumption no yeah, so there I were crystals on
8: the island even before yeah, we see been, Godzilla space I Godzilla noticed that and too. they and they
4: move they
0: would kind of like flux yeah. in but and out but
8: that's
4: what i'm saying hole. like yeah. all right let's fire up the projector again all right, <laughs> the movie I'm, I'm willing no i think yeah. i i, I want to say that he fires he, them the he fires them out he fires them from space and then mm-hmm. they hit earth at the very beginning cuz at the mm. i mean literally the very beginning of mm-hmm. the movie with Cause they hit the earth and I think Godzilla, am I confusing this with a different movie? I
8: I, am
0: way off track.
8: Yeah. There was, there was no establishing shots of space Godzilla. You don't ever (laughs) see space Godzilla at the very beginning, but you do see the crystals ever before you, before the space Godzilla, space Godzilla. Huh. If I can talk,
6: I thought that's what I <laughs> yeah, noticed I, too when I, I, I might was. Be I thought. Up with Mothra. How would they explain where these crystals came from? I remember thinking, but yeah, yeah they they
8: they were on the island. They're moving, and it didn't. Yeah, there was no establishing for that. Anyways,
6: we'll have to rewatch it. All right,
8: and he continues. The grab a plushie, or however these things are called in English, spills plushies. How? Did the claw start pulling plushies out automatically after Space Godzilla flew by? Yeah, I was kind of wondering the same thing myself.
4: Yeah, that was dumb.
8: (laughs) On the plus side, Godzilla costume looked good. Yes, it did. But that might be because Stefan owns a Godzilla figure from this movie, as we should all.
4: Yes, indeed. Uh, Thank you for listening, Stefan, by the way, from Germany. Cameron has a bizarre soft spot for this film, despite it objectively being the worst of the Heisei Godzilla films and probably in the bottom tier of all Godzilla films. We get a little Godzilla design that is atrocious and may have accomplished being worse than somehow, <laughs> what? <laughs> somehow, a Mogera that looks like a cheap plastic toy for most of the film, despite having a generally solid core design and an utterly strange plot details and subplots that go nowhere quick. The prime example? The Yakuza subplot that gets wrapped up almost 10 minutes after it's introduced and accomplishes exactly nothing. Besides a kind of fun scene where Mickey raises the table she is strapped to with her telekinesis so a guy can get off a shot at the Yakuza hiding behind her. Also, the revelation that Okubo has been evil all along that amounts to absolutely nothing except allowing him to rapidly move switches up and down when things don't work again, which amuses Cameron to no end. Another weird plot story issue that has always bothered Cameron is how the heck is Yuki supposed to hit Godzilla in the armpit at long range with this tiny little gun? This thing should have terrible range and accuracy and not near enough penetration to actually hit Godzilla effectively. Or how the heck is Mogura the ultimate anti-Godzilla weapon? when it is overall weaker, less powerful, and less armored than Mechagodzilla. But that's just kind of nitpicky. The big issue the film has is the strangely lackluster special effects, especially the infamous asteroid-filled fight, or the really noticeable bad green-screen effects like the people floating in the space station. Yeah, that was bad. And the really plastic-looking crystals that Space Godzilla seeds. But despite all of these issues, Cameron still has things he loves about the movie, especially all the weird quirky things. Like, how is there a random Eastern European scientist working on Mogura? Because, of course. Or when the space station is damaged, everyone instantly assumes it's some sort of giant monster. And how everyone reacts with shock when they name Space Godzilla and the completely out-of-left-field pollution equals evil giant space monsters at the very end. Granted, these are probably bad reasons to like a film, but Cameron is a sucker for these types of weird logic jumps, but genuine things to like, such as the amazing Space Godzilla, it's no wonder that this monster has become a fan favorite with its design and cool powers like the wildly firing Corona Beam and Telekinesis. Cameron also likes Yuki's character, with a nice bit of continuity for his Vengeance for Gondo from Biolante. But eventually growing an understanding and strange kinship with Godzilla, which is hinted at as soon as he refuses to attack Godzilla after the imprisonment of little Godzilla, saying the monster has had a bad enough day. Cameron also rather enjoys Takihuki Hitori's score, which he feels is overshadowed due to being stuck between two of Ifukube's best scores, Mechagodzilla 2 and Destroya. And Cameron finds the final battle a rather clever twist on the formulaic monster brawl, and with Godzilla and Mogera trying to destroy the tower that powers Space Godzilla. And he loves the moments where Mogera blows off the crystals off Space Godzilla, and Space Godzilla retaliating by impaling Mogera on his tail and throwing him around. It all seems like the imagination and interesting parts deal directly with Space Godzilla. Everyone else seems to be pretty dull and by the numbers with some relatively shoddy effects work. But overall, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla is what Cameron would consider to be a guilty pleasure, a film he knows is generally weak, but he can't help but enjoy it. Sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for not-so-good reasons.
7: Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla is a satisfying kaiju movie in Chris's opinion. Both monsters looked menacing, and he liked the design of the Little Godzilla suit. He loves that Little Godzilla was played by an actor named Little Frankie. I wonder if Space Godzilla is offensive to the New Age community, he thinks, or asks. Because of all the crystals. I always associate crystals being an object of serenity, not an evil force of nature. That's why I think the look of Space Godzilla is a bit brilliant, no pun intended. He also thinks Yuki Special isn't so special and would like to own the Mogra because giant drills are dope. Cheers. Cheers.
4: Clyde is a fan of the Heisei series? All of them. Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla is one of his favorites, so much so that he nearly tore apart the house trying to find his Blu-ray copy to do the homework. So, a digital copy it was. Things he disliked, the kaiju battles, seemed static, mainly because the open areas where they take place. It seems more fitting for a TV episode than a motion picture. Space Godzilla's flight mode of transportation takes out a lot of needed city-smashing time. His likes include the Space Godzilla suit, which was very sinister looking. And of course, little Godzilla. Come on. How cute is he? I know. <laughs> he also likes the telekinesis used by Mickey in the warehouse gun battle. That seems like a no brainer. And he dug the Mogura, but really wished there were more tanks and stuff from the JSDF. And Godzilla's final blow against his outer space cousin, brother, evil clone thing, is a nice precursor to the next film. Destroyer. That red atomic blast is fantastic. That's it for Clyde, and he can't wait for a future Cloverfield discussion.
6: James says Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. Um, yeah. Out of the Heisei series, it was the worst. He could say a lot on this, but we'll keep it brief. The American dub version doesn't feel like anyone did their homework on this. They just saw the action sequence and decided to make statements that don't line up with the overall arc of Godzilla. Bullseye. Cool. It feels more like a Showa series movie than the darker Heisei series movies. James gives it one space crystal out of five.
4: Brian has a feeling he's just going to be in a very small minority having some good things to say about Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. It's definitely not the best Heisei movie but it's a strong contender for most entertaining. There's barely a dull moment in its nearly two-hour running time. The plot is completely bonkers, with every element seemingly clamoring to be singled out as the most insane and immediately being shouted down by something even more loony. There's Mogara, a giant robot penguin. (laughs) 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 Albeit this incarnation is less goofy than his original appearance in the Mysterians. I don't understand you guys. (laughs) There's the Yakuza attempting to kidnap Sagusa and force her to turn Godzilla into the world's scariest protection racket. Then there's the single worst special effects in any kaiju movie in film history with Space Godzilla flying through the asteroid belt. (laughs) And the list goes on. Actually, this film spends more time than any other on the aspects of the Heisei series that Brian finds fascinating – The little hints that Godzilla has powerful but unfocused psychic abilities is really cool. And it's too bad they never explored this facet in the series further. And then there's little Godzilla. He's grown from the incredibly ugly but at least somewhat more anatomically plausible dinosaur we saw in Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2 into a sickeningly adorable big-eyed Hello Kitty-looking cartoon creature the likes of which has no place in the Godzilla universe. What? Good job, sir. No. <laughs> the monsters. No. <laughs> you know, the mon- you say this, Brian, the monsters have always been outlandish sure, but even in the much maligned Godzilla's Revenge, they didn't look mu- <laughs> they didn't look much like live action cartoons. He used to hate the crap out of this thing like violent, raging hatred that had him wishing Space Godzilla would rip his head off and force Godzilla to eat it. During the course of Brian's most recent viewing, however, he found that little Godzilla started to grow on him. The clumsy, tentative gestures of hopeful friendship towards Yuki and Mickey, the weird little warbling sound he makes, even those big, stupid eyes are sort of endearing. (laughs) He's still totally out of place in this flick, but it's just too cute to wish a violent death on. Ryan must be getting soft in his old age. The emergency broadcast Mothra is also a neat touch since Mothra is too far out in space to turn back and help fight off Space Godzilla. (laughs) She sends a psychic projection to Mickey, telling her she must use her psychic powers to convince Godzilla to save the planet. Once Bogora launches to combat Space Godzilla, it's just one long smackdown till the end credits roll. They really pulled out the stops for this one, which goes some way towards explaining the movie's uneven effects. While there's nothing else in the movie even remotely as embarrassing as the asteroid field battle, there's some pretty crummy stuff on display here. But then, there are also several really good composite shots, and when Space Godzilla is a full-size suit instead of a shoddy Happy Meal toy, he's pretty cool. Then, of course, there's the slightly unhinged look on Kenji Sahara's face when Mogura launches for the final confrontation. He's just the defense minister. All he probably did was approve the budget. It's not like he (laughs) built the thing. But there he is with a a ready-for-a-straight-jacket gleam in his eye. Brian swears they cut the scene right before where he let out a bellowing, and did that hand-washing gesture mad scientists are so fond of hand wringing is what that's called godzilla versus space godzilla isn't brian's or probably anyone's favorite godzilla movie but it's definitely a lot of fun tons of action sometimes awesome and silly and plenty of rewatch value it'll (laughs) live it'll liven up any rainy afternoon all right hey listeners you remember when you were a kid and your dad would hit record on the video camera but he actually hit stop You would think you'd be getting a video recording of you and your family in some cool place, but in the long run, all you get is uh, the camera aimed down at the ground while your dad is recording his feet walking. How about you guys in the room here? No? Wait a minute. There's no one else in this room right now. Oh, yeah, that's right. See, last night when we were recording this Daikaiju discussion, I pulled a bonehead dad move, paused the recording, and never fired it up again. <laughs> okay, so now you get to hear just my dulcet tones. Reading the rest of the homework, and hopefully uh, hopefully, I got it all. Matt and his dog Ashley write in, Other problems aside, there's one issue in particular with Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, and the other hazy movies for that matter, that Matt and Ashley are going to blame on the director. Technically speaking, the practical special effects are passable some of the time. Watching Space Godzilla levitate Godzilla and toss him into a building looks great. The problem with the scene, though, and virtually every other practical effect in the movie, is that it's all so clearly taking place on a set. Maybe not having so many monster eye-level shots would help. The soft, diffused lighting during the final battle doesn't help either. Yes, these movies have always featured guys in suits trashing buildings and each other, but Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla fails the immersion test in some key ways as does Godzilla and Mothra Battle for Earth. Is it a problem with scale, or the speed at which the action happens? Neither Matt nor Ashley can pinpoint the real culprit, but at least this movie's better than Death Kappa. While Ian hasn't seen many of the Heisei movies recently, he always remembered Space Godzilla with a particular fondness. Now coming back and watching it again, he can see where that fondness came from, but thinks, on its own, it's a fairly weak movie. The plot was just okay. There was a lot that he won't get into for the sake of time that was just downright silly. There were also other parts that were rather forgettable, such as the kidnapping of Mickey. Ian did enjoy the concept of the T-Project, but feels it wasn't expanded on as much as it could have been. Honestly, he would have really enjoyed seeing just a film about Godzilla on that island with the characters trying to carry out the T-Project and other experiments on him. Then you have Space Godzilla, the darker, more powerful version of Godzilla. It's a cool concept with a wicked design, but it's just so weird and out there. The whole theory with Godzilla's cells going into space and attaching to a crystal only to mutate from a supernova, it works, but it's definitely not the best. He finds the effects in the movie aren't really anything special, but there were some spots that did stand out to him. One scene in particular he enjoyed was the one where Godzilla is walking across the beach. We get to see him moving around, not just a bunch not just a bunch of close-ups or wide shots of him grappling with another monster. Otherwise, he found the effects to be as expected, maybe being just above par with some of the other Heisei films. The action in this movie was probably the best part of the film. They seemed well done compared to other aspects of the film. One battle that was cool to see was the battle in space between Mogura and Space Godzilla. It was something new, and Ian thinks it was well-executed for the time, despite being a short-lived battle. One thing Ian noticed was that the few characters followed anime tropes, and in a few ways, this movie was very much like an anime. A grizzled man dedicated to his cause? Check. A comic relief character who complains a lot? Check. A darker, evil version of the main character? Check. It just seemed to follow a lot of things that you would see in an anime of the time. At the end of the day, though, Ian finds Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla to be an enjoyable movie, but definitely a weaker one. He would show it to a newbie if he could pair it up with some other Heisei films. All in all, he gives the film a 6 or 7 out of 10. He also says, P.S., he started a Godzilla club at his school, and it started to gain popularity little by little, and he wants to say that he often finds himself coming to our Daikaiju discussions for some input on whether or not a movie should be shown to newbies of the genre. That is awesome, dude. Please let me know how that goes in the future i i think uh I think more people should get involved with Godzilla and uh raising awareness, especially if you know people are open to it. Ben thinks Godzilla vs Space Godzilla is a film that's often ill regarded and it is no stretch to see why. While the premise is no more outlandish than other films in the series, it suffers from some poor execution in parts and a myriad of small miscues. However, Ben certainly doesn't think this is a train wreck by any means. Space Godzilla itself was a cool-looking enemy, and Ben was glad it carried over many of the elements from Super Godzilla's design from the Super Nintendo game of the same name. And compared to the Minya designs before and after this movie, Ben thinks little Godzilla was a step in the right direction for a younger version of the King of the Monsters, even if he was just a little out of proportion to his adoptive father, as well as his other forms in the neighboring films. Not to mention there was a fantastic scene where we see Godzilla try in vain to protect the little guy from Space Godzilla's onslaught. Other than the aforementioned design elements, Ben also liked that there were several callbacks to the rest of the previous Heisei movies, further heightening the continuity of this era in Godzilla films in general. All in all though, Ben believes this film might not be the best one to pick if you're trying to get a friend into your favorite movie genre, as it could easily be a turnoff to the uninitiated but Ben thinks it's still worth a watch every so often. Paul says that Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla is arguably the weakest entry of the Heisei era. It suffers greatly from a rushed production schedule, poor pacing, and a convoluted storyline. Nonetheless, Godzilla looks terrific in this film. And there you have it. That is our Daikaiju discussion for Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. Now, the next film in our series of Daikaiju discussions will be on a movie that came out the exact same year, actually. Earlier in 1994, Toho released Orochi, the Eight-Headed Dragon, or as it's known in Japan, Yamato Takeru. And uh, it's essentially, it's sort of a a remake of the birth of Japan, or as it's known here in the States, Three Treasures. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be watching the ADV version I think that version might still be available out there on the internet, but if you'd like to get your thoughts, questions, and reviews turned in, a.k.a. your homework for Yamato Takeru, please send that in before Thursday, March 24th. Now, we have three ways to send that in. You can use our handy contact form on kaijucast.com. You can also send an audio version of your homework, and there are two ways to do that. The first is to call our voicemail line, which is 786 505-2458 505 or you can send me an mp3 by recording your own voice on maybe you know your phone or your computer whatever and you can send that to controller at kaijucast.com. we really only have three rules for the audio discussion rule number one don't go over three minutes rule number two don't swear and rule number three try to have all your talking points hammered out before you even make the call Now, uh, we were going to do Pickled Ginger and and some news and uh, all that stuff, but because my co-host's voices were unfortunately not recorded when we did the news last night, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of run through these really quick and maybe spend a little bit more time on them next episode. Sci fi has an article about the new IDW series, which I misidentified in the last episode. I think I called it Godzilla Onslaught. It is Godzilla Oblivion. And right now they have uh, an article showing the cover for issue three, which is done by Tad Galusha. Congratulations, Tad, on getting that gig. Uh, Tad's an awesome artist from Portland, Oregon, who made some really cool artwork for us last year for rose city comic-con so we could sort of put it into a flyer situation it was a really cool also this is a bummer because martin had some really cool things to say about this but pacific rim 2 has apparently been untabled and they've announced a director who is not guillermo del toro this will be Stephen s de feature film directorial debut But he uh, is just coming off of Daredevil Season 1, and apparently he's done some other awesome stuff, too. I don't know about you guys, but I, of course, have been looking forward to more information about this Pacific Rim sequel. And the long and short of our discussion here was that uh, Martin thinks that Guillermo del Toro was asking for too much money, and this guy apparently thinks, someone apparently thinks this guy can do it for less money, and maybe that's why it got greenlit. I don't necessarily want a cheaper version of Pacific Rim, but we'll have to see what happens in the coming months as uh, as more details are announced about this production. Next up, Fujimi Models is releasing a Godzilla and Mazer Cannon mini kit series. Uh, they look. Art, well, the Godzilla looks articulated. The Mazer cannon is sort of cheap. They're both chibi looking, so the Mazer cannon's kind of cool looking. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes, of course, to send you to Sci-Fi Japan to see that article. Ah, next up is an announcement on uh, for the Kaiju cast, actually. The KaijuCast has been nominated for a Rondo Hatton Award, which is really, really quite an honor. I I have to say, like, even just being nominated is just awesome. So uh, we've been nominated in two categories, kind of. The first is for the KaijuCast to be the best multimedia site. Uh, I would love to win that, but I don't, you know, expect it. But, you know, get out there and vote for us. Also, uh, you know, Hail to the King, 60 Years of Destruction has been nominated for Best Documentary. You know, I'm not going to bang the drum too much for, you know, trying to get people to get out there and vote. Because I, I find that kind of thing annoying. But, you know, I would love to win that kind of thing. This is not just like a little silly web banner that you get to put on your website. Uh, they actually make physical Rondo Hatton awards and send them out to the winners. So, who knows? Maybe the Kaiju cast could take something home this year. It's pretty exciting. Moving on to catastrophic events, we've got some really cool appearances that are coming up in the near, near future. Uh, March 11th through the 13th, Monster Mania in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, is bringing Ken Pichiro Satsuma, who is the Heisei Godzilla, and Mizuho Yoshida, who played Godzilla in Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, Giant Monsters All Out Attack, to that convention, and I will actually be there If any of the listeners out there are interested in getting together for a few beers or some food or something like that, definitely let me know. I think it would be a really fun time. I know there's going to be other Godzilla fans there, so maybe we can make it like a big bar hop kind of thing. I don't know what to expect from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. April 1st through the 3rd, Spooky Empire in Orlando, Florida is going to be bringing Kenpachiro Satsuma, the Heisei Godzilla, Tom Kitagawa, the Millennium Godzilla, and Ben Furuya, the man who played the original Ultraman, to the Sunshine State. I'll have a link in the show notes to Spooky Empire's website in case you want to get tickets to that. Another April show from the 22nd through the 24th in Pasadena, California, Monster Palooza is bringing the original Godzilla, Haruo Nakajima, to the convention. But that's not all. They're also bringing Keizu Murase, who is one of the Showa-era kaiju suit builders, and Shinichi Wakasa, who's a Heisei and Millennium-era kaiju suit builder, And they have also just announced Shinji Nishikawa, who I met super briefly in Japan, uh, but he was in the middle of a signing, so I can't wait to meet that guy. I know there are going to be some more incredible events announced in the coming weeks, so stay tuned to the KaijuCast for that. Or if you want to see the show announcements from the guys that actually bring the guests over from Japan, you can follow Celebrity Icons on Facebook. I'll have a link in the show notes to that as well. All right, that's going to do it for the news section. And uh, now I just have one more announcement. Uh, don't have everything ready for this particular recording, but March Madness is rapidly approaching. And if you're a sports fan, you know that basketball and March go together like peanut butter and chocolate, which is great. Peanut butter and chocolate is like the best combo ever. And as many of my friends know, I'm just not a sports guy. But last year, the concept of a monster March Madness Really kind of came up for the first time for me, and I was really surprised at the positive response that my fake bracket that I posted uh, got online. So, we are actually going to be holding our own Monster March Madness tournament bracket thing. Uh, we don't have many details right now, so just keep an eye on kaijucast.com slash March Madness to learn more about this as it happens and get involved. It's going to be a ton of fun and we hope to see a lot of cool brackets come through from our listeners. I think it's time to kill this episode. If you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, please point your web browser to KaijuCast.com to see what we're all about. Every single episode we've ever produced is up on KaijuCast.com, as well as any reviews we've done, the Daikaiju discussion schedule, links to our friends' websites, and to our own social media sites like Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, etc. Don't forget, if you want to have your homework included for Yamato Takeru, make sure to do that before March 24th. You can send your homework in through our handy contact form at KaijuCast.com or you can email an MP3 to Controller at KaijuCast.com. Or you can call our voicemail line at 786 505 2458. I'm really looking forward to seeing what March Madness brings for the Kaiju cast. So we will see you next month as this episode squeaks in at the very last possible moment of this amazing, thank goodness for the leap year, last day of February. We are going to close out this episode with one final track. I think we're dipping into the Godzilla vs. Heavy Metal well again, and we're going to play Decisive Battle composed and written by Cha Cha Maru. We'll see you next month. Jamata. Charles, how do you feel about reading Chris? It's pretty
8: short. Well, I thought Stefan was pretty short. I don't oh, know, if you want to read yeah, Stefan, he's from up. Germany, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Stefan, I can, I think I can handle this.
4: You're going to read it in the German accent, right? Let's <laughs> <laughs> try. But like the guy <laughs> in the <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God.
5: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm not
8: going to try this German accent. Um,